Dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Warhammer worlds. Don't miss our live show on Thursdays, but for now, you've got us on sloppy seconds with our podcast with the Grimdark Gang. It's time once again for Grimdark Live. Welcome to Grimdark Live, you the webcast for all things Dice, Dragons, Demons, and a Dwarf from the Warhammer Worlds. I'm your host, Patrick, and as always, I got Chuck and Justin. Fellas, what do you hear? What do you say? Crickets. It is Uh-oh. a... Uh, Somebody please say something. Day. <laughs> oh, man. Uh-oh. Hey, uh, Justin, you are on mute, my man. He's, he's, got, he's, got the new, uh, he's got the new Freeport Nerd Bunker happening down there, man, and his mic is all awry. Come on, man, we got to be... Uh, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. We're starting late, but we gotta, still got to be professional. What, what do you hear? What do you say, man? What do we got? <laughs> Hey, I'm in the Freeport, my nerd bunker. It's all getting set up and ready to rock and roll. Let's do this. Yeah, I hear that, man. Chuck, you ready, man? I'm ready. I'm rocking. We are. Uh, we are well rested. But yeah, we're coming off. Uh, we are coming off a week uh, from being off, and uh, and and welcome back, gang. Here we are, man. We are. We're back to uh, the show, and we're ready to entertain everyone. So how's how's everyone doing, man? We all well rested. Chuck, you doing good? Yeah. Super well rested. I am right here. I mean, but here, here's here's my real question. Here's my real question to you, Chuck. Honestly, I mean, yeah. how, how you feeling? I mean, here's the thing. The last three weeks, you know, we've been really carrying the entire show, the whole heavy load. While Justin has been out there, you know, setting up his new mansion and his new Freeport nerd bunker, we've been we've been really carrying the bag of bricks for this guy. So how do you how you really doing, man? Anything you want to get off your chest about all the work we've had to do, extra work? I, I broke my back. Um, I have to see a physical therapist. I ortho's next. I mean, they got to pretty much plan out surgery, and my physical therapy is going to be pretty rough. I mean, Justin, you, you got to be ashamed of yourself, man. Look what you've done to us. I mean, Chuck and I, here's the thing. We needed a week off after carrying this whole show for two weeks while you while you were out there building your mansion, hanging out in your Freeport nerd bunker. I mean, look what you've done to us, man. Look, look at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, keep rubbing it in, guys. I haven't slept for three weeks. <laughs> there you go. You know what? And and by the way, uh, Grimdark Live will be announcing here in a couple of weeks the kegger that's going to be happening out at Justin's house. Uh, he's going to be throwing a huge party out there. So uh, we'll be letting you know. We're putting an ad in, the, in all the national papers and, and let, allowing anybody to fly in if you want to attend the party. So it's going to be a great house party, uh, and it's going to be a good good time. Right, Justin? Isn't that what you were saying? Oh, of course. Oh, of course. Once we're settled a little more, we'll yeah. have a big old party out here. Exactly, exactly. So, but but also as a side note, you know, um, uh, before we get going on the show, I wanted to make a quick uh, shout out to Chaos Spawn. He's one of our listeners and he's one of our uh, patrons. And, and and on top of the fact that he's got one of the coolest names in, in, in YouTube, Chaos Spawn. Uh, uh, shout out. Yeah. He actually uh, ordered one of our T-shirts on GrimdarkLive.com, but we've had some oh. problems with um, with Stripe. It's, uh, it's one of the payment services uh, on Grimdark Live, and uh, a lot of times, and I don't know really what the problem is, we've, we've kind of gotten away from, we're reconfiguring things with Stripe right now, because 
what had happened was a lot of times people buy products on Grimdark Live through Stripe and we don't know about it. They don't, we don't get an indication. The payment doesn't come through. And this guy was awesome and he was a huge, uh, you know, uh, he, he was very patient and he was very cordial about it and he really, uh, he alerted me to another problem. So, uh, Chaos Spawn, we got it worked out, man. We're going to be getting that t-shirt out to you and, you know, a little bit of a, an apology gift because uh, it, it's Stripe, man. You know, our, our problems around here, it's Justin making us do all the work and Stripe. That's really what it boils down to. That's it. You know, Chuck, you know, Chuck and I, we're innocent here, man. Come on, Justin, you want to apologize? No. <laughs> All right, all right, but but here it is. So, uh, but but here's the thing, guys. I mean, Chuck, Justin, before we really get going, I got a question for you guys. Yeah. In, in all reality, you guys got to explain this to me. We take a week off, a week well deserved, I'd like to say. We we take a week off, and now there's freaking gargans. There's freaking mega gargans that that have objectives secured. Sons well, of Beamot are here. What not the? not just that. They released a slew of tables and charts and rules i mean it, it's not just that they released a, a mega gargant kit and uh it was up for pre-order and all that i mean we have a host of special rules abilities yeah damage charts to really look and analyze at what the gargants can do mm -hmm. and potentially a lot of potential yep and and you, you know you say that they dropped a mega gargant stomp yeah, yeah. And you know, yeah. we, we, we got that happening. I mean, <laughs> mega gargants are here and, and I gotta tell you, you know, we've been talking about these guys since November and, uh, when, when, when the kind of the idea of them or the rumors first started to break. And I, I just remember thinking to myself, you know, the anticipation and now that it's finally here, everyone's kind of like, Pugh. Yeah. and we're going to be getting into that. We're going to be talking about that in the news. We're going to be talking about the big release. And we're going to be going through some of their abilities and, you know, yep. kind of what to expect in this pre-order and when they're going to be in everybody's sweaty palms. You know, in here in another two weeks, you know, the week after this coming Saturday when you pre-order them. So a lot of stuff. But but also with that, guys, we got, in addition to the Sons of Behemoth, we got the Rumor Engine. We got Night Haunt. We're going to be talking about Shrieker hosts. And what would October be without Orktober? We're going to be talking about Savage Orcs. I mean, we got, a, we got a fun show ahead of us. And you know what? I'm excited about October because Halloween is really one of my favorite favorite holidays it really is i love halloween and you know we got we got we're gonna be starting it off with night haunt man we're gonna talk about the shrieker host so good stuff yeah. and uh so but after all that and here it is guys after all that we have the closing thoughts here uh and then and the question of the day towards the end of the show so here here's the question of the day we're going to give it to everybody right off the bat so that everybody is ready for it and we actually have it here it is now don't answer it right now and don't anybody answer it if you answer it you got to send me 20 bucks for the answer early you know the, the answer early fee uh but don't answer it here it is does the coming of the mega gargan unit strength Herald big changes in Age of Sigmar 3.0. That's going to be the question of the day towards the end of the show today. So we're going to get your answers all towards the end of the show, and uh, we will uh, we'll have a good discussion on that one too. So, fellas, what do you think, man? Anything you want to add before uh, we get the show rolling? No, I think we're ready to go. Ready to go, man. All right, all you dice chucking gamer goons, we are going to get the show going. Here we go. Hey, you Grimdark goons, thank you all so much for listening to our Grimdark Live podcast. If you're new to the Grimdark Live experience or new to our podcast and like what you hear, please follow this podcast and pass us along to your friends. Let us know what you think about Grimdark Live in the show's comment sections, and let us know just how we're doing. 
Also, don't forget to catch us live on Thursdays. And if that isn't enough for you, check out our website at www.grimdarklive.com. That's grimdarklive.com. Anyway, thanks for listening, following, and just being awesome. Okay, gang, listen up. Breaking news here on Grimdark Live. Canadian wildlife officials from biologists, herpetologists, anthropologists, entomologists, psychiatrists, and gynecologists haven't confirmed as fact that rhinos are indeed fat Canadian unicorns. And if that ain't awesome enough coming out of Canada, let me tell you about another great Canadian company and sponsor to Grimdark Live. Six Squared Studios. Check this out. Six Squared Studios. I'll say it again. Six Squared Studios. Six Squared Studios are the real terrain nerds you all need to be getting your terrain from. Get your commercial laser-cut MDF bases silicone molds for resin prints, game and hobby accessories like 15 to 28 millimeter terrain, 15 to 28 millimeter figures, and 15 to 28 millimeter vehicles, and a lot more. Get your nerd on with Six Squared Studios. Check them out at sixsquaredstudios.ca. Again, that's sixsquaredstudios.ca. And if you tell them Grimdark Live sent you, they may let you pet a unicorn. Oh boy. Look at that horn. Six Squared Studios. Tabletop terrain by expert nerds for exceptional nerds. Now, back to our regularly scheduled news here on Grimdark Live. I think I cut the wrong horn. Six Squared Studios. Tabletop terrain by expert nerds for exceptional nerds. All right, guys, here we go, man. We're going to get with the news. So we are, uh, we're getting into it. But, you know, I, before we get into the news, we were kind of talking, you know, during the break, you know, you know, Chuck and Justin and I. And, you know, there's there's all these great, you know, in the chat here, we got we got these great listeners that are giving us some great marketing ideas and you want to know something high class white trash you're out there man we are listening to you buddy because these we are going to come up with some uh some kind of short pants i don't know what they're exactly going to be but fellas you know let's kind of let's kind of brainstorm here this is news we can break this out so you know chuck you were talking about maybe some biker shorts or something like that or was that you justin who who's talking about that what that's brilliant right there spandex man all spandex that was that was mr chuck over there so i envision you know short pants being shorter uh like bicycling shorts um potentially that variety because they're technically short pants right (laughs) all right following my lead here uh they don't they can have you know something on the back side like our logo with uh let's say the skull and maybe the ear set there you know with headphones on and it just says grimdark live 
That wasn't the only thing you said, but that's know, okay. We'll keep it at that. <laughs> I think that would be appropriate. That'd be the most appropriate way to approach it. I, I think we're going to do this. I think we're going to do this, guys. And you know, and, and I'm going to leave this out to our listeners, and especially you, High okay. Class White Trash, and Joel McGrath. Joel McGrath is with us tonight, man. One of the one of the best Beast of Chaos players around, dude. So I got to tell you, I'm, I might we're going to have that guy on the show because I got to talk Beastie Boys with him, man. Um, but you know, we we're going to throw this out there to our all of our awesome listeners, man. We are going to do this. So all you guys in the chat, if we come out with these short pants, the does anybody feel that the official models for both of the for the for these short pants are going to have to be Chuck and Justin? We're going to get them all pictured up. Hell them, no! We're going to do that. So, so guys, here's the thing: we need to have your support. You know, these guys are very bashful. They're very shy people. Look at how shy Chuck and Justin are. You know, they we need to have you guys write in and let's get a campaign going that these guys need to be in the spandex short pants. You know, official Grimdark Live short pants. And and you know, please make them feel comfortable with it. They're very bashful, right, guys? I mean, folks, what do you think? Yes. No. So bashful. I can't yeah. imagine me being any more bashful. There you go. Good stuff. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> hey, Chuck, Kill Justin, me. Chuck, this is going to happen, yeah. guys. Chuck, Justin, uh, you know what? Oh, I'm pretty it, sure it, it, we'll. Take a pair of shorts and wear them to an event. That'd be fine. For one day. Oh, That's it. God. And, and if any of our I'm listeners. I'm just going to wear a pair of short pants with a giant G and a D on the ass cheeks, and that'll be it. If, any, that? if any of our you listeners would like, like to support our legal fund after this event, I'm sure that someone's going to need bail money. All right, let's keep rolling here, guys. Let's start off with the uh, the first part of the news here, man. We got the we got the, we got got the the rumor engine here. So here's my two cents in a tin can on this sucker. Uh, this one looks like uh, maybe a tail, you know, or so, or something mm-hmm. like that, belonging to a uh, some kind of a beast that seems to be chained to a stone. You can kind of see what in that picture there. I mean, what yeah. do you guys think? I mean, I'm leaning 40k on this one, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But 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 you guys go ahead. What is your what do you think this is? What are we looking at? You know what? I don't really know. I okay. looked at this uh, several times and no idea. So there's there's two things that kind of popped up on Twitter. If you follow us uh, at Noblargy or at ODT Gaming, Gaming or at DH Miniatures, there you go. Uh, one is sort of a re-release or a similar release to the Dark Elf Hydra. It does have chains from the Dark Elf Handler holding onto a chain that then is chained to the Hydra neck, I believe. Uh, the second thing that popped up on like people chatting and stuff like that was the potential for a corn release because a lot of the corn like theme that envelops either the backstory or some of the modeling are chains within corn. So if you look at like uh, the corn humans, they've got the one guy you know with a huge chain that's whipping a stone around. Um, there's dogs or corn dogs that have corn chains. Dogs from their collar, like their collar of corn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Uh, you know what? Uh, yeah, you completely beat the crap out of what I thought it was, man. So that, that's actually a pretty good answer. Uh, but, but Justin, what do you got, man? What the hell is this thing? What are we looking I, at? I, I'm, well, just from looking at this, I mean, I'm seeing a lot of reptilian in there. So I'm wondering if this is, oh. if this has got something to do with, uh, I want to say 40K, but. If you look at the tail, that's a lot of like tyranid and reptilian scale line in the back side there. So, yeah. but ty- tyranids don't chain themselves to rocks. So, well, that's where I'm getting confused because why would you chain a beast to a rock unless it's 
like a mortar or a flamethrower or a long-range projectile shooting spinning creature. Okay, I, I, here, here's what I'm thinking here. And the reason why I'm leaning towards 40K, and, and, and not, not to, not to kind of uh, take anything away from Chuck. Chuck, you, you going with the AOS thing, I, I, that kind of took, took it out of left field. I hadn't even thought of that. But I was, I was looking at the 40K thing on this one, and, and here's yeah. why I'm thinking 40K. Because if you, if you look at the tail and, and what we can see in the picture, the organic part is very tyrannid to me in feel. The, the, the rock in the, the chain is likely part of a scenic base of some kind that thus could be from, say, you know, any, any race and, and a bit of a, it's a bit of a red herring, a mystery, I get that, but, um, you know, or it really could imply maybe a captured and controlled tyrannid monster, so perhaps it could be something Gene Steeler cult. I was kind of thinking that maybe it was something like that, because I thought about it first, and I, I really wanted it to be something for, you know, soul blight, you know, vampires. But in looking at it, I'm like, yeah, I just don't see it. It looks very, it looks very alien reptilian, and that's kind of why I thought Nids maybe. Yeah, that's what I was pulling from the rear tail because those plates are reminiscent of like carnifexes and things of that matter, which have those overlapping chitinous plates. Okay. And then you look underneath it; it's kind of got the, the 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 scaly side. So it's like it's a crossbreed between 40k and AOS, and then you throw that chain in there, and it makes you want. It's like. This is out of left field. I don't know where this is coming from. Yeah. You know, and, and it's funny. We, we got just some of the comments. I mean, you know, okay, Beast for Warcry, high-class white trash. You know, that's what he's thinking it is, you know. Um, maybe. Uh, you, you commented, too. It could be a Warcry set, Chuck. Maybe. Um, and, yeah, and, and here's a good one. Yeah, it could be that. I mean, you, you, you got Joel McGrath. He just chimed in. He said, what if the rock isn't a rock, but it's just a, a part of the beast, and it's the and, and it's the handler that's chained to it? Oh, damn. See, there's so many people that are out there that are smarter than us. <laughs> crap yeah you know what that, it, 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 or that it, it definitely is one of those ones that throws you for a loop but yeah. it'll, it'll show up eventually yeah i mean you know what it's funny is uh is i i love and hate the rumor engines <laughs> I, I really do but yeah this one I'm, I'm sticking to my guns here guys i don't care what anybody says it's 40k it's a it's it's tyrannid and it's it's chained to a rock yeah i i do think that is something that we can you know sort of put a foot down on it is some it is most likely a beast chained to a rock what beast and what it does side of warhammer that it falls on whether it's aos or 40k that's sort of yet to be determined you know sure yeah all right all right, well, good stuff. Well, guys, you know that—that's the news is going to be kind of light, but we got a giant topic coming up after the rumor engine, man. You guys ready? And we're going to kind of take the uh, the news of the Suns Beamon here, and we're going to kind of drive forward uh, and use this kind of as a kind of as an extra topic tonight. I mean, there's really there's really nothing more to talk about, man, because we got uh, here it is, man. Sons of Behemoth, we got the pre-order that's going to be coming out this weekend. And, and and I said it before at the top of the show, I mean, since November of 2019, you know, we've been talking about these big dummies, and they're finally, finally, finally here. I mean, Chuck, uh, you've you really been hot on the topic of the Sons of Behemoth really since the story broke uh, about their, their pre-order and the book yes. and some of the some of the rumors that have come out and the peek behind the curtains. You've really been all over this thing on Twitter and some of the boards. I mean, come on, g- give us give us your yeah, thoughts I, here, man. I want, I want to hear what you got to say on this. So I think it is reliably mo- most likely the, the most solid thing that we can say is that the God beasts that we're seeing the mega gargans are probably the biggest release of 2020 for warhammer i think it is equivalent to the to the titans that they released for 40k what two years ago or one year ago Mm -hmm. uh 
when that box set hit, it sort of changed the play or play style of 40K uh, at, a, at at least semi-competitive events. I'm not sure if at ultimate competitive events, you know, whether it was Adepticon or, or what have you. Mm-hmm. But I think potentially that with this book, the release, uh, how you can play the Mega Gargans in various factions, you know, depending on which one you take, um, because they are mercenaries technically, which Games Workshop has fully committed to, uh, which giants have been mercenaries in the past too. They are sort of enveloping uh, the historical past of giants within Warhammer Fantasy and Age of Sigmar together. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think it has the potential to sort of change the landscape for the next few months. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, uh, you know, and, but uh, before, before I yammer on, Justin, what sure. are your thoughts, man? Two cents on this one. What do we got? We're looking at a fundamental change to monsters and anything that is considered large. And I think this is their test ground to see where they're going to push the monsters going forward. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. if these are successful... You're going to see a lot of bigger monsters, possibly dragons and things of that coming back into the fold more than the Stormcast Eternal Dragons, but actual like dragons and big god beasts popping back up that are functional because monsters right now are kind of, they're on the low end. They're a little unwieldy. Ah, uh, no, wait a minute. I play Beast of Chaos. My Jabbersites do very well. My Gorgons do very well. I mean, come on now. I mean, they're, they're not so all bad, but I get what you're saying. Well to, they do well to a point. But right, but so Pat, so this would be the equivalent of in seventh and eighth edition when uh, medium-sized monsters and large monsters got stomp and thunder. I think oh, that's yeah. what we're going at here. Yep. That's yep. that's where we're, that's what I'm leaning towards. Yeah, I, more along the lines yeah. of instead of having uh, your jabber slide walk across and miss with its tail attack, you know, like it normally does, and you curse it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> basically would say, okay, it comes across and it has an additional attack besides that that can actually kill something. Right. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And, you know, and, and I'm going to say this, too. You know, there's a couple of things we're going to get into. And, we're, and folks, we're really going to kind of flush out what we know and, and give you some some hearty opinions and some thoughts on the, on this uh, this pre-order that's going to be out this Saturday. And like I said, the Saturday after that, it's gonna, this army is going to be in everybody's sweaty palms. So two things yep. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty happy about. Number one... I like the fact that they that that GW as a company really only took one of their IP from for, for this army from 40k and that's and that's you know we're going to get into what they did but I'm glad that they didn't really totally uh, Imperial Knight Age of Sigmar this army I was kind of I was kind of concerned that this was going to happen with the Sons of Beamon and they didn't do that they do have one thing very similar that we're going to get into here in a little bit but for the most part I like the fact that the army is a very identifiable stand on its own two feet type of an army. I like that the, the GW was cognizant enough in the design process to be able to do that. Number two, guys, I'm going to stick to my word, man. Like I said, you know, as, as a promise I made about this army back in November of, of 2019, if they got rid of the fall down rule, I'd play this army. GW did, man. They got rid of the fall down rule. I'm in. I'm in. So I'm, I'm really excited uh, to, to kind of see really how the man crushers and the rest of the, the mega gargons really do. But, um, uh, but yeah, I mean, you guys, I mean, what do you guys think? Are you guys into Sons of Behemoth? You're going to be playing them as an army, maybe adding some into your army? Chuck, I already know what your answer is, but let's hear it anyways. Yes. <laughs> Wait a minute. Army or adding it in? Armies. Oh, uh, so okay. I will have more than one, and I have more than one army it can go into. So armies. Okay. All right, good. 
Justin, what do you think, man? It'll take a little bit of time for me to pull them together. I I have a bunch of man crushers floating around here. Uh, probably get one to start and just maybe mercenary them in for a little while and right. then possibly expand out. Okay. I, it's it's kind of a big bite. Yeah. Well. Oh yeah. Well, but I want to, we're going to get into the pricing here towards the end of our topic here, and we're talking about them because I think I think there's been a lot of what I want to do here, folks. I want to kind of you know part the grain here a little bit on some of the negativity that we've heard about Sons of Beamont, and one of the one of the parts here is about the pricing, and and we're going to talk about that. We're not going to we're not going to get into that right off the top. I don't think that would be a healthy place to start, but I think we've seen a lot of things on the boards. Uh, and Chuck, you and I even had a comment uh, talk off. Uh, uh, offline about this, even about some of the pricing. Yeah. And, and, you yeah. know, originally when I first saw him, there was a little bit of sticker shock, but let's not get into that right now. We, we're we're going to, we're going to save that towards the, uh, towards the latter part of the conversation. But why don't we start with the common rules of these bad boys? What we, what we pretty much have already kind of seen on the boards and kind of talk a little bit about that. What do we think, huh? Yeah, sure. Sure. So folks, these are just rules highlights, I guess the best way to put it. Um, they're not, they're not the full rules. Uh, so, so here in Grimdark Live, we're going to be pretty much talking a little bit in depth about what you guys already know and what we think we know. <laughs> so, so there you have it. So here it is. All of them have, meaning all of them, meaning the Mega Gargans, Gargans, they all have 35 wounds and a four plus save. Uh, they got a seven bravery, but you know, what, what the hell does that really matter with a single model, I guess. Um, right. and comparing their, and here's one thing I do want to kind of talk about here that kind of was a little bit of a head scratcher for me, GW, if you're listening, uh, compared with their bone grinder cousins, they have 15 wounds more. They have a damage output, uh, are pretty similar to, uh, the bone grinder. Uh, they, the, the mega gargants and uh, do, and the actual man crushers, they lack the long shank rule that the, uh, the bone grinder has, which, you know, makes the bone grinder good, I think, with the six-inch area uh, pile-in. Um, I think that's a huge thing. It's a huge threat range. I-, I just wish they would have included him in the faction. It makes sense to me to have a bone grinder. So, hey, GW, what the heck, man? Where's the bone grinder? I mean, I, I mean, so, so folks, what do, you, can, uh, what do you think? They can always FAQ that in as part of, you know, an inclusion if it had the same keyword or what have you. Yeah. Um, I don't think we've had a Forge World update here in a little while. Well, most of the rule books don't have Forge World models in them to start. True. So, yeah, G- these are GW based units, and the Forge World Bolden Grinder is an add on to mm-hmm. that. Yeah. In there from their rule set. So, they really don't need to FAQ it in. Maybe FAQ it to the points so that, you know, it works with the army a little bit better. But yeah. other than that, you, you got a pure GW army of giants mm-hmm. with. A Forge World kicker. That's not a bad place to be. No, it's not. It's not a bad place to be at all. I mean, you know, the, I, I, don't get me wrong. I think there's a lot of improvement here, and you know, hopefully they do come out with an FAQ like you were saying, Chuck, that they're going to add in the Bone Grinder because, to be quite honest with you, I was I was looking for him. I love that model. I, sure. I I love everything about it. And when I saw that that wasn't in there, I was like, well, what the what the hell? But you know, I, don't get me wrong. I, I'm actually very excited for this. And you know what they you know what they have that I really think is uh, a bonus. And I, I love that this is kind of a new mechanic. No insta-kill. This one here, for me, when this rule came out, um, you know, I guess the first one I first read this and I saw this, I, I'd like to refer to this as a ward save light 
if you will. You know, I, I, I think that's the way I would, I would put this. But it's great. You know, and this is what it says. It says, if a spell or an ability would slay this model without any wounds or mortal wounds being inflicted by the spell or ability, this model suffers D6 mortal wounds instead. I love that rule. It's a ward save light. Well, yes. It negates the King of Kings ability from Archeon. Yeah, that, yeah, the auto slay on a six, which auto I think slay is on a six, yeah. three mm -hmm. attacks at three plus, three plus, or three and two. And if you roll a six on to wound, it insta kills the model, right? Yeah, so, yeah. Six or something like that, but yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I think with, 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 uh, and, and anyone in the chat, correct us if we're, if we're kind of yammering on wrong here, but I mean, I think, I think with, uh, I think with Archeon, it's a, isn't it, uh, a, a 2d6 roll of a six or is it two something sixes like or is it a double six he, he kills I think them it's a double six or something yeah. like that yeah i think it's a double like, six you know, and he slays them out outright right but, but in this particular case it's only, only d6 that has insta kills so well and uh, and here's the thing Let, let's let's say you're going to run a six model army with the sons of behemoth you know you can't really you know you you lose one of those babies i mean trust me i, I run i run six stone horns you know that's uh that's a tough that's a tough thing to lose is one of those stone horns that hurts so and I think a lot of people will probably be running uh, a unit of three man crushers somehow in front of or off center of their giant. So they would be using a unit of giants as a screening tool in order to make sure that their main mega gargant doesn't get hit front and center and taken out too quickly. You know I do think we'll see that. I, what I'd like to do here in a little bit, I'd like to kind of talk about some some list builds. That, that was that was kind of a, that's kind of a fresh idea, but I, yeah, can we kind of stick attack in that one? Because I, I like the, I yeah. like the thought of uh, of talking about lists. Um, but you know, speaking of that, I, I guess uh, before we move on with uh, with the rest of the conversation here. Uh, um, and, and we start before we move on really with the, the units and the heroes, I'd like to state this, you know, I, I think people have to remember that, uh, that, that even those profiles, you know, whether, whether you think they're unimpressive or not, uh, are for all units in the army. I mean, most armies will have heroes or units with relative low damage to fill or other roles than damage dealers. You know, most uh, of, of, of many armies have two, maybe three big damage dealers with a lot of support, magic, and fast, you know, repositioning, you know, type of units on their side. In this army, there are no puny support heroes or squishy flanking units. Uh, you made me think about that when you brought, you brought up your screening thing there, Chuck. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything has the potential to hurt the opponent. And, and think about this, guys. And then there's, there's probably a lot of rules that we haven't even seen yet. So, we, we, I mean, we probably have seen 50, maybe 60% of what this is. And, and here's the thing, and then, I'll, then I'll, I'll stop yammering on myself. But, you know, when I, when I talk about that, I say, think about this. Is the attack value for normal Gargans, think about this, if, 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 if it's 10 for the club, plus 4 for the Edbutt, we're going to get into what this means here in a minute, and the D3 charge wounds uh whatever a kick that in itself even their their battle line troops are going to be pretty brutal i mean they're giants i think gw has nailed it very well and made this made this army very palatable i think um i think they did a great job and and, and, le and let me say this finally you know if you're curious if if they're going to have any type of magic defense because this was a conversation that i was just having this morning um bingo guys it looks like they're going to have access to mystic shield if you, if you look at some of the pictures, you can see some of the tokens there for Mystic Shield. So I think they're going to have access to that in some way, some way or fashion. So you're going to have some magic defense with this army somehow. So there could be, 
there could be stuff that, that we don't even see yet. So I, I well, hold on to your hats. I was going to say, wasn't there something in the lore where giants used to be able to have like a pocket wizard or something like that back in one of the old editions? Maybe. That's how they were cast magic. They squeezed the wizard and they basically shot a fireball. Uh, maybe. I yeah. thought there was. You know what? I think there might have been something with that in the, in the old Albion campaign. Yeah, I think, like but, uh, but I, I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not too uh, entirely sure on that. Um, but yeah, so I mean, any, anything else guys, before we get started with the actual mega gargants as the units themselves and, and the man crushers. Um, I, I think it's a good, uh, n- side note to emphasize. If you look at some of the generic damage tables of the mega gargant that, on average, they're going to do 14 to 16 wounds before saves. Mm-hmm. But with someone with a 4-plus save, they about uh, 10 to 12 damage would be average without buffs or abilities. Yeah, yeah. So that's minus, you know, plus 1 to hit or plus 1 attack from command abilities or if they if they charge in. Um, so it, I think it's going to be just notable to say that you're going to want to have a few command points as in your back pocket. Um, and then in addition to that, you're going to want to be able to be getting charges off with this army. Yeah, because uh, yeah, yeah. they do the more the end of receiving a charge, watch out. Yeah, they, they do impact hits. And I mean, they're, and look, I, I think I think the, what I love about this game right now is there's a yin and yang to this entire game. Every every army has its has its mark on another army, you know, and, and, and I, I love that. But let's get started here, man. Can we let, let's go ahead and get started with the Kraken Eater. I think that he was the I think it's appropriate. He was the uh, the first uh, Mega Gargant that was ever uh, ever released. And this guy, this uh, the, the, the Kraken Eater Mega Gargant, this guy can go with order as a mercenary. Um Thoughts, gentlemen. I'm going to throw it out there to you, man. What do you? What are we thinking here on the Kraken Eater? Seems like a solid mega gargant to me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he's. I think we'll get into what how we rank him here in a minute. But I, I definitely, I wouldn't, I wouldn't not take him. Let's put it that way. No, I mean, decent amount of attacks. Got some decent abilities from what we're, we know of. Mm-hmm. And I mean, a 35 mo- 35 wound model running around that, either, depending on how you use him, is either going to be a damage sponge for your army to mm-hmm. keep it off your other stuff that's important. Yeah. Or he's going to be the main line and everything you build around him is going to be support. True. Yeah. Chuck, what do you got, man? Two cents in a tin can on this guy. I, I think, you know, I think he's going to suffer from the mega gargant, you know, just generic table. Uh, but when you have like stuff him in a net and a few other, other the other special rules that he can sort of get boost from, mm-hmm. That's where you're gonna like see him shine. You know, the negative one to hit as he's stomping through, where he swings his net, whatever it is. Um, that is gonna be the benefit from where you get the bonus from this giant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This is the one that I looked at on Twitter, and I was doing average damage tables, and it was about 14 wounds without saves. Uh, with saves, you're looking at like. 12 about 12 yeah i did some math hammering too and, and we're yeah. coming up with similar numbers and and but but before we we, we kind of go and do a little bit of math hammering because i want to do that I, I love the fact that you yeah. did that because i was kind of monkeying around with those numbers too but let's go back to stuff them in a bag you kind of brought that one up and yeah. and i love the fact that each one of these gargants has their own special type of specific type of rule now as a as a common theme folks as you're going to see with all the mega gargants the club attack seems to be the best whether of each and every one of the of the Mega Gargan, specifically the War Stomper, which we're going to get to in a minute. I think that uh, uh, he has uh, a, a pretty nasty club attack. 
Um, but I, I, I'd like to kind of look at what this stuff them in the bag is. And, and this is this is reminiscent of what the old Gargans had, right? And, you know, oh, stuff yeah. them down yeah. your pants or stuff them in your pants or whatever it was. You know, right. and, and after this model piles in, you can pick up to D3 enemy models within three inches of this model and roll a dice for each of them. If the roll is at least double the amount's wound characteristic, it is slain outright. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so the top, so the top you're going to pull it is three wound or less models. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That'd so be the, that'll be the top you can pull. And you got to remember that's before he stomps, attacks, swings his net. Right. That's before anything else happens, and and that's also on in, in addition to, did he charge? Did he get those impact hits on the charge? And 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 I'm going to say this right now: of all the mega gargans we're going to be talking about, of the three, the three new mega gargans, I think he's he's third place. I think of the three, in my opinion, just from what we know now, he's still great. Don't get me wrong, and I'm I'm, I'm going to have him. But I think if I had to put a weight of value, but let's go back to what you said here, Chuck and Justin. Sure. It, it, I don't know if you did any math hammering, but you know, Chuck, you brought it up. So some some of my some of my back <laughs> of the so some of my my own back of the napkin stuff here with the uh, with the mega gargants on this one. So math hammering on average. Now again, folks, math hammering. What does that mean? Uh, but the Kraken Eater looks like they're going to do about 13 wounds per phase. And that's yeah. taking in a composite average of everything, you know, a 4-plus save uh, units, a 4-plus save with any type of a 5-plus right. or 6-plus ward save after that. You know, I kind of looked at it from a Nurgle standpoint, from different things like that. So, you know, you're looking at about, you, you can probably take to the bank about 13 wounds per phase, one giant. Uh and you got to think the mega gargants are going to have a unit present or an objective presence of 20. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you start doing, you know, you start doing 13 wounds to a unit of say 20 models or 30 models, you start taking over that objective here pretty soon. Uh between that and battle shock and anything else. So, you know, uh, what we what we're starting to see already here if you really start boiling all the water out of the pot here with these with these mega gargants gang is that uh they're no joke. They're no joke right. at all. They can stand up to a unit of 30 infantry, especially if they are single wound models. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have the pick up and stuff them in a net, or you, that's probably D3 models you instantly kill. Right. Um, the only like hesitation I would have relying on that is if you have multi-wound models, such as like trolls or ogres, it's going to be a lot harder to pit this giant against that type of model with multiple wounds. I agree. I think, yeah, I think you got, you got things that can keep you, that can keep them in yep. a fight before even with that. I mean, with, with the hurl debris and they got a shooting phase, they got a close combat phase, they got damage on the charge and they got after combat damage. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I yeah. mean, uh, you, you can probably wipe a 30 man unit out in one good round of combat between the damage and battle shock if mm-hmm. you kick them hard enough. Yeah, yep. no, I, I agree with that. But I also think, too, I think, like I said before, I think there's always going to be armies out there. Like, for instance, I think a Gloomspite gets uh, Rock Gut Trogoth's you know, army. Well, you know, you take a unit of nine or 12 Rock Gut Trogoths with the type of yeah. attacks those, those aren't. Uh, goodbye. Uh, you know, th- th- those those rock uh, trogoths. A unit of nine is going to do, I think, an upwards of thirty six wounds in a phase. Right. Uh, right. That giant is gone, and, and you're talking about negative two damage three on these rock uh, trogoths. So I yep. think that uh, from that standpoint, right there, there. So uh, look, I, like I said, what I love about this game is every. Army A always has Army B's number and vice versa, you know, and that's what I that's what I love about this. But let, let's keep rolling here, man. Let's go. Let's look at the second 
Mega Gargan we have here, and that's the War Stomper. Uh, this guy, this guy was the one that kind of made everyone go, ooh, you know, when it first came out. This was like the resident badass of the uh, of, of the of the unit. So he's chaos aligned. He's a chaos aligned Gargan, uh, yep. and it appears to be good at taking out hordes. You know, so I, as as if they didn't need to be any better. But um, thoughts? What do we think, guys, on the War Stomper? I'll throw it over to you. What do you think? I mean, he's a very strong unit. Uh, Ten attacks with his club at max, mm-hmm. and then you got to jump up and down. So you're you're looking twenty, thirty wounds just from this thing charging, hitting you, you know, and everything mm-hmm. else. And yeah, I mean, yeah, he, he's a beast. He's yeah. a beast. Yeah, I. Uh, uh, you know, it's funny. I mean, Chuck, what do you think? Um, you know, I think this is going to be your horde killer, essentially, in a nutshell. Uh, it, it, so it's going to kind of depend on where the direction of uh, AOS goes in the future. If it is more uh, infantry based with more units of 20 to 30 models, we're going to see more of the War Stomper as a uh, opposing enemy mm-hmm. for the units that we face. But if, if we have like a universal rule for monsters to uh, count as higher unit strength mm-hmm. within the game yeah we may not so i think it kind of just it does depend in the long term whether or not he's going to remain relevant <laughs> looks like you kind of froze up there man a little bit yeah so yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 I think what chuck thing. was saying is is you know will he remain relevant but i mean my my uh my early thoughts on this guy you know out of all the the micro gargants that we're going to be talking about of the three my early thoughts are maybe he's going to be probably the second most used Gargant uh, of all the Megas, really. You're probably right on that. The yeah. only thing I'd be worried about with the War Stomper and any of the Gargants in general is their maximum move is 10 to 12 inches. Right. So right. a fast cavalry army or a fast army that can outrange them is going to put these guys in the dirt before they even get to them. Doesn't yeah. matter if they have this holding power of twenty or ten or fifteen or whatever. You know, Carrot and Overlords are going to give these guys a run for their money just because they can bounce all over the table and avoid them. Well, then, then Skaven with their gnaw holes are going to do the same yep. thing. You know, Skaven yep. with their gnaw holes speed, are going to are going to do armies, the same thing. I think speed armies are going to be the the bane of these guys. Yeah, yeah, but you know something? I, I think I think these guys also have a leg up. Let, let's look at let's look at the first of their two unique rules. I want to talk about here because mm-hmm. uh, we got we got the first of their two here. We got the Titanic Boulder rule, which I, I just love the names of these things. But you know, the War Stomper <laughs> Club attacks. You know, and as I said before at the top of the show, we started talking about these guys that the club attacks are kind of the the Gargan's premier attacks here with right. this with this army. But it appears that the War Stomper attacks are equal to how many models are within three inches of it. So in a combat against a large unit, it's going to get a lot more attacks. So if you're looking at, if you have if you have 15 models within three it's inches. It still caps at 10. Well. If you read, if you read right. the bottom of it, it actually says that it caps at 10. So even if it's more than 10, it counts as 10. So they only ever would have a max of 10 attacks. But, okay, so let, let's, let's, let's boil that out of the pot though i mean that's still uh you know that, a lot that's, of attacks that's, well but but that's also that means you got to remember too let, let's let's walk everything down that uh, that happened all right well, looks like we got chuck back with us man you froze up there you're back welcome back Every, everyone Thank say you. hi to chuck hello hi. all right chuck. so what we're talking about i don't know if you, if you missed out on we're talking about the titanic uh, boulder club here with the uh oh 
with the with the war stopper. But yeah, so I mean, this thing this thing is definitely a horde killer. I mean, you got to think in compilation with the fact that it's going to be doing you know that many attacks with models within three inches of it. It's going to be uh, have impact hits on the charge. It's going to have stop. It's going to have all those other things that it has. So yep. it's it's be well and, and granted. The Titanic Boulder Club of this model is better than the other clubs, but that's kind of their premier signature weapon of all the, of all the gargants, mega gargants. Uh, this one has attempted to cap out its attacks a lot quicker, just being surrounded by models or even monsters. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. Got coming down on this thing, and it's a plus four. And and well, and we're going to get into that, and, that, and cool. that's that's probably why too. I also said it's probably my it's probably the second best of the three. But Chuck, what do you think, man? When we talk about the War Snapper and this of the first of its two rules. So I, I do like Titanic Boulder Club. I mean, I would almost rank it probably a tie for first place just because of the ability to max out the attack factor. Okay. Yeah. All right. I. Uh, you know what? Yeah. I, that's uh, that's that's a good. But it's that's just my opinion. No, I mean, no, no, no. It's I, right I, or I, wrong? I, no, I. Uh, I, um, I think uh, it's again. A, I think it's a great cross topic. Yeah. I I think it's going to depend, and this is. I always state the obvious. A lot of people say that, but. If, if you look at what armies you play against, you know, percentage-wise, are you playing against uh, battle line horde units? If so, the War Stamper is just going to be like your diamond in the rough. Mm -hmm. Like, it is going to shine. It's going to, you're going to have maximum attacks. It's going to be doing a lot more or higher than average damage in the long term. Mm -hmm. If we get up against more elite armies where we see 15 models, um, He's going to be, you know, the charcoal on the side of the flank that, yeah. you know, it's right. not going to be doing as good. No. Right. But you also have to think about it this way is knowing that rule caps out at 10. Yeah. It could force your opponent or make your opponent kind of reel back a little bit to say, maybe I don't want to put full 10 models fully committed within three inches. Yep. To, to minimize this thing's attack value so it's not chewing through my unit. Yeah. There's going to be, there's going to be the avoidance factor. Sure. Right. Yeah. I, I think that. But let's look at the let's look at the second of their of their special rules, and that's the the hurled body. <laughs> I just love, love this. Love it. Love it. I love. And this, and this yeah. is what I was saying at the top of this this part of this topic when we talked about it. GW took a page from the 40k knights here with their Thunderstrike Gauntlet rule, and um and, and gave the War Stomper the ability to throw enemy models at enemy units. I love it. I really really love the fact that these guys can pick a guy up and throw it yeah. at his friends. <laughs> Let's be honest, though. This was, you know, a rule from, you know, the yep. Marauder Giant. There was a pickup mm -hmm. hand, and he right. would throw the unit or throw the guy that he grabbed at a unit. Chuck throws again. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, he used to throw the volleys there. I think didn't they have a Marauder Giant that was holding a horse or something at one point? Uh, An old model throwing a horse. I, I think it was. I, uh, I think it was a. Uh, um, I think it was a sheep or a horse or something like that. But yeah, but something you, but, like that. It was like you picked up a horse and it was launching it at something. It was. It was great. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, uh, it was something like that. But I, I think. I think what Chuck was saying was absolutely right. I think it was like sixth edition or something like that. But you know, don't don't necessarily uh, uh, quote me on on that. But. Um, you know, but but let's go back to this. Now let, let's wrap up the war snapper and and so we can roll on to the next uh, the next mm -hmm. topic here. I mean, again, more back of the napkin math hammer here on average, but it looks to me that the war snapper is going to do about fifteen wounds per phase. 
you know, and again, I'm looking at uh, a whole composite average of, of a lot of things here. Um, I mean, Chuck, what are your thoughts here, man? I mean, we talk about the actual back of the napkin, math hammer, wounds, you know, per average, you know, I'm saying 15 on the war snapper. What say you? He, I think he might have froze up again. So, so Justin, what do you yeah. think, man? What are we looking at? 15 to 20. You think so? Low, at the low. At the low? At the low. Okay. I mean, he, you got to look his to hit values three. His to wound values are twos and threes. Yeah. And then the rent characteristics on a four plus is putting everything to sixes or none. So hmm. you're, you're, I'm thinking 20 to 25 damage a turn with this guy. Well, yeah, I, I looked at it, like I said, I, I looked at it from a few different armies. I looked at it from, you know, Beast of Chaos. I looked at it from, uh, you know, uh, Cities of Sigmar. I looked at it from right. Nurgle and, and kind of used a composite average. And, and, you know, I'm coming up with, I'm coming up again, I'm talking composite average, what you can reliably depend on uh, between saves and misses and bad dice and everything else that happens. I'm saying that you're probably going to be somewhere in the, uh, uh, you know, ballpark of, uh, you know, probably 15 you know, 15. Well, well, no, and, I, and I agree with you because, like, again, we don't have the entire book in front of us, so we don't know if there's command points or something of that matter that allows them to jump up and down twice. Yeah. Or yeah. swing their club again, yeah. you know? Right. So, so, like that. so, Justin, let me go back to something you said about three or four minutes ago regarding the max, you know, attack output on this particular giant. Because mm -hmm. I want to I explain this so that it's clear in my mind here a little bit. So, the potential with this badass is this: if 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 if, if he's going to have ten attacks doing two damage each, right? That's what we're mm -hmm. saying at a maximum. Yep. And if he was also near a monster, we're saying it's going to be four attacks at two damage a piece. Correct. Well, right. When you when you read the whole thing, it basically you're comp you're you're adding up all models within three inches. So if they're individuals, troop soldiers, or monsters. And then you put those totals together, and if it is 10 or more, it counts as 10. Okay. So even if you have three monsters around them, which would give you 12 points, and then, say, 10 regular troopers, you'd have 22 points, but you're only going to get 10 attacks. Sure. Because it caps out. Right. So because because they have that stupid thing, the thing that says Boulder Club is more than 10, if that wasn't in there and didn't say more than 10 then this guy'd be throwing 22 attacks per per run. Well, you know, and and yeah, and I, I get that. So so just just so just to 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 kind of surmise what uh, what Justin said here. So it said uh, so what we're saying is the damage table uh, they're referring to because of the little star asterisk there is mm -hmm. you know plus four the attacks because that is is uh, against monsters is going to be four attacks maximum ten for you know uh, regular units so okay all right I got gotcha. you that that makes sense and you know what that's still there's still some lethality there man I mean I you can't you can't take a, you can, like I said but I think overall my my over under guesstimate on this guy right now is. Uh, He's probably in the ballpark of second place out of the three mega gargants. That's where I think. Um, so Chuck, let's go back to you, man. So we were talking math hammer. I was saying I was saying fifteen possible, you know, wounds per phase. I think Justin, you said up to twenty five is what you thought. I mean, where do you yeah. see the the where do you see the the war stomper as far as you know wounds per phase? Uh, you know, with the base profile, I'm still going to stick around my 10 to 14. Okay. Uh, with the additional rules and insta-killing, uh, potentially like, what, a four-wound hero? That's kind of what 
that's what I we had discussed yeah. previously, I believe. Right. Um, I would put him around 20, depending on the save or the the special abilities of the of the unit that he's attacking. Okay, mm-hmm. you got it. You got it. All right, well, let's get on to the third Mega Gargan here. And, and yeah, Plaster Crack Man, we are going to book Joel. And, and we, you know, you can ride if you want to. That'd be kind of fun. We'll join you. But, uh, but yeah, we are going to get Joel McGrath on the show. Absolutely. But you guys ready? Let's get to the third Mega Gargan here, man. We got the, uh, we got probably the, the one that um, I think everyone was most excited about, really. And that's the Gatebreaker Mega Gargan. I mean, this one works for death. And it really has some fun abilities for terrain. And this one just tickles me. I got to tell you guys, it tickles me crazy. I mean, but I'm going to let you guys, before I completely spew my excitement on this one, thoughts. Let's hear what you got to say about the Gatebreaker. Chuck, what do you got? I mean, with the ability to destroy a piece of terrain uh, and make it rubble, essentially, like deadly scenery, Mm -hmm. which is, I I think, what the special rule kind of devolves into, uh, you have the ability to destroy... Uh, faction terrain that they put out. And right. at that point, if it's destroyed, it loses all special rules, correct? Yep, yes. it does. It does. It, yeah. it solves the problem of who owns the Seraphim's uh, temple. Uh, you just yeah. stole, you just said what I was going to say. I said that the, we, when I first saw this rule, <laughs> I went, I'm talking to you, Nexus, you bastard. You're out of here. Yeah, yeah uh, or the next, yeah. And I got to, how long have we been asking for that in this game? Well, why can't artillery pieces, you know, shoot terrain off the table? I mean, yep. how long have we been asking for that? And and I'm going to say this. I'm going to kind of back up my own two cents here. My my early thoughts, like I said before, I think this is going to be the most used Gargant for all of all the Megas. I think he's going to be the most popular, and I think he's the best. And it it really seems that the Gatebreaker uh, and probably War Stomper are clear winners. But but here's yep. why I think this this gatebreaker is, is going to be the most popular and and uh, and it's just what you guys said and that's that's the literally the the special rule and that's the whole smash down thing that we have i mean guys let's just halt it right here stick a pin in it and talk about this i mean i'm not really sure about the total lethality and and survivability of this big bastard or any of these big dummies for that matter but smash down on faction terrain pieces now that's something i mean and it doesn't take anything to do it it's two or better. Exactly, and you know what? That's, that's ridiculous. Yeah, and that's going to mean that that the 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 the, the OBR Nexus that's a goner. Uh, hell, my my beloved Herdstone that's a goner. The, I mean, the the, okay, the you're... Gloom Sky Spike gets uh, shrine is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. The Ser- Seraphim's Temple is gone. Okay, Chuck, what were you going to say? I'm saying we're missing something, too. The first part of the rule is add one to a damage inflicted by each successful attack by this model if it targets a unit that is part of a garrison or wholly within the train feature or Mm -hmm. on a feature. So if they're even if they're in the train feature or partially in it, you're going to be getting one to the damage. So all the D6 and D3 and 2, those go up by a factor of 1, which then increases the damage and lethality of your giant, in addition to destroying the piece of terrain. Yeah. I I absolutely love how we can peel the onion layers back in this show, and I'm still learning yeah. stuff about this. Good catch, Chuck. You're literally giving a giant the ability to open a sinkhole between a unit. Yep. I mean, but, but look what this is going to do to even some some armies that rely heavily on their terrain pieces. Let's take Skaven. Yeah. Let's take Skaven. Skaven. Look at those gnaw holes. Now he's going to yeah. you're, you're going to get Skaven. now. Yeah, now now you take Sylvaneth away Skaven's gets Sylvaneth in their forests. 
Yep. Sylvaneth in there for Imagine you've got six forests on the table or five, and this guy's just going through and doing not his 14 damage, but now that boosts to like 22 or whatever it might be. I mean, it, there is very much more potential here depending on basically you're making your opponent re-strategize how they deploy potentially. Well, and yeah. taking out a silver, taking out even one part of a Sylvaneth Forest destroys the entire integrity and use of it. Right. Yeah. So all of a sudden, now they can't teleport into it. They can't put another forest up within a certain radius of it. Yep. And you start blocking off the entire field, and now Sylvaneth can't bounce. Right. So you strip. You strip more than just their 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 trees off. You strip their ability to teleport and to heal and bring back units. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the Gatebreaker is really going to be the secret sauce to a lot of either allied armies that it's in, or really the... I mean, I, I could personally see uh, maybe complete, you know, Sons of Behemoth armies running maybe two Gatebreakers. You know, you something like that. Just flank the entire board and just start wiping terrain out. That's, yeah. I, I really think. But let's, so let's let's look at this. And Chuck, I'm going to throw, I'm going to pitch the ball to you on, on the little math hammer here. And, and Justin, of course, I want to I hear what you say, because I think... I think the numbers are pretty interesting to talk about here. So with the mm -hmm. Gate Smasher, I had around 16 wounds per phase. And again, I'm looking at I'm looking at the whole enchilada here. I'm, I'm taking three or four different armies, rolling things off, best out of five, seeing how things work out. I'm coming mm -hmm. up with a composite average. So I'm saying about 16 wounds per phase. Chuck, what do you think? Um, I, I'm going to be on more at the end of 16 to 20. Holy liquor. Because of the damage table. Uh, when if a unit is in terrain, otherwise I think we're gravitating back towards fourteen to sixteen. Yeah, I didn't really look at that too much, so you're probably right. But uh, but I was looking. Yeah, okay, all right, all right. I'll, I'll go with that. Uh, Justin, what do you think, man? I'm pushing twenty to twenty five again, possibly pushing thirty. Wow. Just because everything's getting a plus one damage from being in com, I'm taking the you're going to be targeting things in terrain. Mostly. Yes. Okay. So that's you're I mean at plus one damage across the board on everything. That means that it's it's Fort Crusher Flail is doing four damage at ten attacks. Yeah, that's uh I mean I I mean if you're if you're killing clan rats, I could see you doing that many, but I don't know, man. I, I I'm looking I, I I'm talking well, you know what? Yeah, I, I, I'm, four, I'm it's sure still I'm, four, it's still it's still ten attacks hitting on threes, wound or hitting on fours without knowing what any bonuses are for hits and things of that matter, wounded on threes. Minus three rend, which is erasing ninety nine percent of the armor out there, and then it's four damage because it's in terrain. Okay, that's a potential forty wounds off of ten attacks. All right, that's All right. that's huge. Does that does that change your math any anytime soon, Chuck? Or are you still going to stick with what you said? I, I would have to you know go back and probably re look at the statistics. You know, with a four up armor save on average and that, but. You know, I'm on the low end of what um, Justin is saying, I guess. You know, he's on your high end. So, I mean, if we're looking at average, I mean, still the average of, like, like let's say 20 to 22 um, between the three of us, it, that's still mm -hmm. good. That's yeah. still very good. I mean, I, I personally, guys, I, I, I love your math because I'm going to be playing the army. I love your math, but I don't think it's going to be that much. I really don't. I think you got to look at everything, too. you got to look at bum dice rolls and everything. I, I'm still going to stick with 16 wounds per phase. That, that's 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 what I'm sticking with, but let's uh, you'll, you'll prove it. You'll prove it once it's on the field and you actually start rolling the dice again. Yeah, it. isn't that's isn't that always the way? Yeah, yep. that's that's always the way. But here it is, man. Let's let's look at the last 
uh, Gargan. And, you know, guys, for a long time, we, we referred to these guys as the Uncle Lesters of the of the game. And, and finally, you know, Uncle Lester Gargans, no more, man. I mean, these Man Crushers are a really massive upgrade to their generic Ale Guzzler, their, their Chaos, you know, Gargant uh, cousins. Um, thoughts, guys? What do you think, man? What, what, do, we, what do we like, love, and, and wonder about the Man Crushers? What do we got? I, I'm glad to see the fall down rule is gone. Well, of course. Yeah. That's yeah. why I'm playing them. I number made that one. promise. Number one, you know, and then the fact that if they're within range of, of the general, they can hurl rocks. Well, we're going yeah. to look at that here in a minute. Yeah. I love that. I, yeah. I think that is going to be, you know, a pivotal thing, uh, whether, and that's why I said beginning at the beginning of the show, have the command points in your pocket. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and and you know, and like I said, I think the biggest thing. I mean, we're we're gonna look at Chuck Rocks here in a minute, as, as it's called, or Hurl Rock. I think it's, it's Chuck Rocks, right? Uh, that was uh, that, that that was your that was your nickname with some with some girlfriends, wasn't it, Chuck? Chuck Rocks, right? Something like that. Anyway, moving on. Uh, oh yeah, you know. Anyway, okay. Before, see, I, he, I'm gonna get him in a lot of trouble. Get himself in trouble here. Um, but what I like best about this is the man crushers have lost the roll a double fall over crap, you know, plus the attack value for the man crusher giants is, is like I said, 10 for the clubs and plus four for the Ed butt and, uh, and D three charge wounds, uh, with the mighty kick is, is also pretty damn cool. So yeah. I, I think that, I think that they've really rewritten the giants. I think they listen to the community, but, uh, but let's go back to this, man. Let's look at this Chuck rocks. I mean, uh, like you guys brought up, I mean, this rule is particularly fun when you remember that man crushers come in units of three, buddy, three. So that means yeah. you're going to have three D3 mini Cygor rocks every single freaking turn. Right. Yep. I love it. I yep. absolutely love that. Uh, I mean, that I wasn't expecting. That I was not expecting that the mega, mega gargans can pick up boulders and rocks and chuck them at you. I right. think that's I love that. Um, you, you get a you get a model behind them that gives them a plus one to hit for shooting, and now they're hitting you on threes instead of fours. And mm-hmm. yeah, say good night to whatever they throw rocks at. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's a question on the boards. You know, do we? And this is from High Class White Trash. I mean, do we know if the big stompies have the hero keyword? They, I think they, they do. Should. Don't they? they? I think should. I think they do. The Mega Guardians do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. I think, yeah, I'm pretty sure the Mega Gargans do have the hero keyword because someone's got to be your general, right? It wouldn't matter anyway. If they're all keystone, if they're all keyworded monsters, you can't get Lookout Sir on them anyway. Oh, yeah, okay, that's true. The monster key, the monster, the monster keyword negates Lookout Sir. Okay, right. So let's let's um, let's swing back to the Man Crusher. Let's get back to that one. So let's look at their second rule. This is the Stomping Charge. Um, this one here, pretty, pretty self-explanatory. We know that everybody got, everybody has it in the army, but I like the fact that they gave this to the man crushers because it's just another improvement. You want to talk about rewriting a model and, and, you know, re, you know, having the thing reborn. Great. They really did that with the uncle Lester Gargan or now the man crusher. I mean, D three charge, you know, uh, uh, mortal wounds per charge. I love it. Per model. Yeah. Per model. And like I said, remember guys, you're running them in units of three. So you're going to get you're going to get 3d3 through a rock throwy things that are going to be happening and now you're going to get 3d3 mortal wounds on the charge to that unit. Yeah. And they haven't even attacked you yet in close combat. I mean that's right. um that that's that's some good stuff. Now, yeah, you also have to look at the rule that they released prior to this. If the units are at full strength, they count as three battle line. 
That's right. That's right. So yeah. you got 30 wounds worth of models holding an objective. Yeah, that's right, because they're, 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 they're 10 apiece. Yep. yep. Yeah. So let's let's kind of rewind here and, and go back to our, our earlier conversation of math hammering with these guys. Now, here's what I did again, guys. I looked at this thing, and I'm coming up with these these Man Crusher Gargants all in, talking about their the mortal wounds on the charge, chucking the rocks, what I think they're going to do in close combat. Again, looking at you know best out of five, looking at multiple different armies, uh, that have variable four plus saves, five and six, you know, ward saves, things like that. I'm saying seven, seven wounds per phase is what I'm saying. That each. So you're talking about a unit of three. You're looking at 21 wounds per phase in a in a in a three gargant unit. What are your guys' thoughts? I had my average a little bit lower. It was at 18, but. I mean, if you can roll well, I, I think you could get 21 or more, especially with the mortal wound output on a charge. Okay. Yeah, but for 10 wounds from the club, if you hit max, and D3 from the kick. Yeah, I'd, I'd say maybe about 9 to 12. Okay. Per. All right, so yeah, so if, Justin... If that's, if that's if you're rolling average. Yeah, so yeah. Justin, you, you're really on, you're really like uh, on a positive swing on these things. I mean, you think they're going to do a lot better? I mean, I'm saying, if I'm saying seven per hour, Chuck's saying with, six. Well, with, with not knowing what the other 40% of the rules that are coming for these things or what sure. the house factions are going to do, you know, because they've got three different stomp the factions or four factions or whatever how they got, you don't know what's going to have pluses to hit, what's going to have, you know, bonuses to damage or things like that. I mean, hell. Uh, the War Stomper may end up having a house that's designed for them that adds plus one damage across the board, and then you're at 30 wounds plus, you know? So yeah, yeah right. You don't know what that last, you know, 50, 40, 50% of the book is in terms of command point issue, rules, right. bonuses, things of that. So I'm trying to be positive on them until I see the book. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, Chuck, what do you think? I'm I'm gonna kind of agree. I mean, we saw this with you know Stormcast, uh, the ability to one drop an army or mm -hmm. uh, you know advance upon a foe, you know, or uh, the ability to reroll all ones with shooting or something to that effect. Uh, if we see you know the the Mega Gargans get four main lines that they can choose from, two of them are just ridiculous, and people are auto including it. Uh, when they're doing an, a, a six-model drop army, we would just see a changing landscape. It, it is sort of difficult to just math hammer this out without knowing the other one-third or 30% of the rules. But, I mean, I think we can effectively say you would see one or two units of man crushers on the table. And whether or not we see one to three mega gargans, I mean, you just have to kind of have right. that up in the air when you're right. building. Weigh it out. All right, so let, let's let's wind this one down. I mean, we've we've had a great discussion about what we know so far with the Sons of Behemoth, uh, with the pre-order coming up this weekend. But I, I kind of want to ring out some final thoughts on uh, the Gargans. I mean, and and I kind of want to I kind of want to take a left turn at Albuquerque here with something that's been happening on the boards that I've been reading about. And I really think it's funny that so many people have been saying or have said that the Gargans or Giants are going to be bad because, it, you know, they have 35 wounds with a 4-plus save and, and are not worth 500 points, you know, the 490 points they're coming in at. And I kind of want to talk to that a little bit without being negative or, or crappy to anybody because everyone's, you know, they can have their opinions. We're an opinion show. But I, I don't think they're nearly as bad as what I've been reading about on the boards. 
Um, you know, I can remember people thought that the ogres were going to be bad since they lacked the numbers to hold objectives. And then the battle tome came out and now they had a, the first army to have objectives secured since, you know, sixth edition Warhammer fantasy battles. These Gargans mm-hmm. now have objectives secured. I mean, look, most monsters and Justin, this was a point you made. Most monsters in the game have 100% damage output at full health and go down to 50% damage output at, at one wound left. The Mega Gargans go down to about 75% strength and damage output at one wound left. I mean, here's the thing. These people got to understand. You fail to kill one of these big bastards, one of these giants, in one combat, uh, you get a hit back. And and these guys are going to hit you back with almost all of their original might. And and you got to deal with that. So... I, I think these guys are are well within their their range, and we're not even getting into the price yet. But I mean, Chuck, do you kind of do you agree with what what I'm saying, and and maybe a a, a different of opinion or same opinion? Yeah, we've been so, seeing on the board. Okay, so if you look at how the uh, it's not the colossal squig, but the squig mangler was written. Oh yeah, it was written in such way that as you heard it, uh, when it gets to the middle of its wound profile, that's the least damage that it would likely do. But then as you damage it again towards mm-hmm. the end and inflict, let's say, 12 to 14 wounds, it actually gets all up to almost the same power level that it was at zero wounds. Right. And I think that's a good point that you're pointing out is that if somebody is going to be attacking a Mega Gargant, they really have to put everything into killing that Gargant. Exactly. And that would make these two solid good turns yes. into bringing it down. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's going to hit you back. And you got to remember, oh, too, yeah. remember, you can't insta-kill it. Right. Well, you, you can't insta-kill it with something that doesn't have a damage profile, but you can insta-kill it if you can get enough damage into it. No, you're right. But I'm saying, what, what I'm saying, though, is it's got that ward save you're not, light. Yeah, you're not, you're not slaying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I, so I'm glad that we all agreed on that because, to be honest with you, I really had to kind of look at a lot of the comments, and so many of the comments are that are out there on the boards. And, look, we've said it a thousand times here on Grimdark Live, you know, gaming and bitching go hand in hand. And, and if you could yeah. find a way to bottle the bitching, you could make a billion dollars off of that. So I get it. Gamers are going are gonna to complain. Uh, we're a fickle group. I get it. But I really looked at it, and this is one that I, I kind of had to go – are you guys just complaining because, you know, you ran out of cold meatloaf in the basement and you're kind of irritable? Like, I don't understand. Like, how did we get here? I think 35 wounds at a four plus save with not being able to be insta killed. And you look at their damage profile that, that, you know, they're going to have 75% of their strength. They're going to hit you back. These guys are dangerous, man. I I think, I think a lot of these people have missed the boat when they really looked at what these mega gargants and the new man crusher gargants are really going to be able to do on the table. Right. Agreed. When, you're putting, when you're putting easily, you put three of those on the table and three to six regular regular guys, if you can afford it point-wise, depending on what you're playing, mm-hmm. and you're dropping 150 to 200 wounds on the table almost instantly just from six models, six to eight models, hello. <laughs> right. So, guys, I want to ask you – I want to ask you this next question. We, we kind of talked about their their value as far as their points and, and what they are, but what about their price? What do you guys think about the cost, money, dinero, of the uh, of the army? I want to throw it out there to you guys. What are your thoughts? Because this is some other stuff I've been reading on the boards, and I'm a little irked about some of the stuff I've read. What do you guys think? Tough Go ahead, one. Chuck. I'll, I'll let you um, throw it. You know, if, if you look at uh, the cost in comparison with Techless, He's about $170 retail in U.S. and 600 points. Uh, if we look at the cost of a 
mega gargant in U.S. dollars, it's approaching 195 or 200. Correct. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It was a 480 to 490 point monster. So, I I think it is still in the same ballpark, if not a little bit more affordable than a special character that they have out right now. Thank you. I, I love the way you put that, Justin. What are your thoughts? I mean, $195 price tag is a pretty, like I said, it's a pretty big bite. Yes. But, you know, you'll see them coming up online for 170 or less, depending on who gets a hold of them and what company, you know, secondary companies selling them. Um, I don't, I mean, I don't know how, I'd like to know exactly how tall the model is. I know they showed a picture of it where it's sitting next to, you know, the old Lester Giant, mm-hmm. the, the new ones. And it looks like it's at least six inches to seven inches taller. But I mean, if this thing is sitting at 13 inches tall, it's by far the biggest model in the game. Are you talking about, right. are you talking about like the tying weight of plastic, justifying the cost? Top of model. I'm tying that to cost. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. And, and, and you know, I, that's an angle I didn't think about, Justin. That was a good way to think about it. Uh, yeah, and think about when they originally talked about this about four to five months ago, and they were saying that a Mega Gargant would look uh, Drogor or Archaon's mount in the eye. So he right. is the same height, not wing-wise, but eye-to-eye as Archaon on his mount. Right. Right. And you look at the new, the last, the Lumineth Realm Lords that just released their, the mountain cow, the giant mountain god, yeah. and it's $110. And okay. If, let me, let me so, break it down. And that's, and that's supposed to be bigger than the new giant, than the old giant. Okay. So that's where that's where I'm sitting there going. If this thing is not you know 12, 13 inches tall, then why is it so much? It doesn't make any sense to me personally. It doesn't. Here's make sense. here's well here here's what the way I would answer that, guys. And, and this is just me being uh, I don't know maybe 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 I'm putting too much of a business brain on this thing, right? But uh, think about it this way: a list of sons of Behemoth would probably be somewhere along the lines, like you said, Chuck. Uh, three mega gargans and three man crushers, right? So we're talking yeah. about we're talking about mm-hmm. seven hundred and eighty bucks retail for this brand new army for a two thousand point army. Now, if you take a gloom spite git lists, right? More of your tournament heavy savvy type lists where you're gonna have Scragrot, a loon boss, a cave shaman, maybe Gobblepalooza, fanatics, and say a hundred grots. You know, that's gonna come out to be about six hundred and fifty bucks right around there. Uh, take a take a competitive Ideneth Deepkin list. You know that's going to have the, um, the 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 king, the Eidolon of of Mathlon, the Leviathan, maybe eighteen eels. That's about six hundred and fifty, six hundred and seventy five bucks. Same for a, fly, yeah. a fire slayer's two thousand point list. Or how about this? Very you, true. No, you're right. You're you right. want to get you want to get expensive. How about a Zeech list is going to set you back probably more than seven hundred and thirty bucks with all of your summoning fodder that's going to have to bring in once all your damn blue yep. horrors go to your know, pinks go to blues and brimstone and all that other crap. So. So on a model-to-model basis, like like you know one mega gargant model versus whatever, yeah, it, it's pricey. But looking at it from an army standpoint, it's it's not as insane as I think people try to make it out to be. I think people yeah. are are kind I of jumping I, off. I the would thing. definitely I would agree I would agree with you there. It's it, from an army standpoint, it's not the kick in the teeth that you would think it is. Mm-hmm. From an individual model standpoint, if you're running it, it's just solely as a mercenary. And right. it's a big, then it is a very big bite. Yeah, but but you think so? Even at that point, really? Because if you think about, if you're going to run, it's going to be a compar- the most. It's going to be one of the most expensive GW models that are out there, next to the 40k knights, because the 40k knights are about two hundred dollars a piece. Right, but okay, let's look at it this way then. Let's say let's say you take a a, a similar you know five you know five hundred point unit. 
and you're going to bring that into your army. Okay, now forget about go trick and all that other kinds of stuff. But but let's say you bring in a, a you know, let's say you could break the uh, you know allegiance rules like these guys can and go trick can, and you brought in another similar unit. You know, do you, you don't think you would spend in the ballpark of a uh, hundred ninety-five dollars for uh, that similar five hundred point unit? That's half of a meeting engagement size army. Right, but go tricks thirty-five dollars. I yeah right okay so okay so so let me let me let's close it out with this before before we uh, we we head on to our main topic here with Night Hunt. Uh, so do you think that they should use the the Gary Gygax rule with Dungeons and Dragons and models should be priced based off of their value in the game? What do you think? I mean, you could uh, yeah I guess but I mean if you're gonna run it that way then yeah I mean okay I, all right okay I respect that I know. mean Chuck what do you think? You know, I think this is, um, I think this is a litmus, litmus test for AOS to see whether or not the larger models that do cost more are feasible within the game itself, and whether okay, or not yeah. they will sell out, or people are not going to, you know, jump on the train. Okay. I, I think there's going to be a certain amount of people who embrace AOS and they just go with the flow. Um, there's going to be other ones that we're going to wait until 2021 when some of these do go on sale or they're cheaper on on eBay. Yeah, the eBay discount. Well, they'll, All right. they'll, they'll, they'll be on they'll be on eBay like two months after. Okay. For, they usually go pretty quick. All right. Well, so, let's. I mean, Teclas um, is already on eBay for 147. dollars Right. Well, gang, uh, good stuff, and we could we could really uh, we could really talk the gargants all night, but you know we uh, we're kind of running up against the, uh, the the time here, so the show's going to go over. We're, we got a big show ahead of us. You know, we we took the week off. We're all well and relaxed, and so uh, we are gonna we're gonna be right back with uh, with some night haunt. We're gonna be talking about the Shrieker host. We'll be right back. A public service announcement brought to you by Frag Factory 3D Printing. Many of us have thousands of dollars in miniatures, yet we play on flat tables with books and overturned Tupperware to act as our fantasy and sci-fi landscapes. We've all drooled over the tables we see in magazines lush with beautifully created terrain from all genres. The crew at Frag Factory 3D Printing want to wipe that drool from your chin and put it firmly on your friends and fellow gamers when they see your setup. Alien landscapes, desert wastelands, futuristic cities, fantasy outposts, elven forests, demonic stronghold, and so much more. Find out what you've been missing by checking us out on Facebook at Frag Factory 3D Printing or send us an email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com. Bring your own files or we will help you find what you've been searching for. Take your gaming to the next level with Frag Factory 3D Printing. We print life into your games. Tell them Grimdark Live sent you and your first hour of printing is free. Hey gang, in all seriousness, Get your terrain on the table and get it with Frag Factory 3D Printing. And remember, tell them Grimdark Live sent you and they'll give you one hour free. You can get them via email at fragfactory3dprinting at gmail.com or their Facebook page, Frag Factory 3D Printing. Frag Factory 3D Printing. Printing life into your games. All right, we are back, and we're going to be getting into our uh, our new topic here tonight, man. We're going to be getting into Night Haunt. And, you know, October, it's it's Halloween, man. You're going to talk about some scary stuff. So we're going to look at the lore here a little bit. And we, we thought that a great unit to talk about was going to be the – or maybe even a battalion, which is going to encompass a few units, is the Shrieker hosts. Three of them. 
Yeah, and you know, and 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 well, yeah, absolutely right. There's going to be three of them. So, the when we talk about the the this Night Haunt faction, you know, when we talk about the Shrieker host units, we're really talking about three units, like Justin just said. We got the Tomb Banshees, we got the Dread Scythe uh, Herodons, and we got the um, the 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 Maymorn Banshees. So, yep. just Justin, I know you're chomping at the bit, man. Take this one out. You know, let's uh, let's talk about this one. Well, the Shrieker host is literally the female component of the Night Haunt. It's all the tortured women of the of the world that, when they've died, they've been recommissioned into Nagash's army as his most evil commanders out there. Some of them are pretty evil. Yeah, it's a very tragic backstory. It, I mean, a lot of them have some very tragic backstories. Um, isn't one of them? Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, we can start with we we can start with the Tomb Banshee. She's probably got one of the the saddest backstories because they are they're the most betrayed and tormented in life and they never get any rest so once they die there there's no rest for them they don't see the light they don't move on to greener pastures they're basically because they were tormented so heavy in life they move forward into nothing but revenge and vengeance so their whole life is literally just vengeance and doing what they can to try to appease this never-ending just torture to their soul. And it's a pretty hectic backstory on them. So, Which is the, uh, which is the ones where in, in life they were like a gentle bunch of healers, like uh-huh. nurses that dedicated themselves to saving lives? And, the, and... Dread, the Dreadside Herodons. Okay. They, were, right. they were like the nurse practitioners and the, uh, the healers, basically. Yeah. The ones that would prolong life. And as punishment for denying Nagash his soul, right? On a yeah, that's what faction, it was. He cursed them with the Herodin curse, and okay. it's a very evil curse. So they die; they get cursed with this Herodin curse, and their arms basically fall off and are replaced with bone scythes. Okay. So they become so they become hunters. The thing about that curse is most. Most people, when they die, or most mortals, mortals in the history, when they die, they forget everything that happened and they move on to the next plane or they move on to the reforging, depending on your storm castings like that. Herodons remain, they remain and have all knowledge of their life. So they remember they were healers. They remember they were, they were helpers, the ones that kept people alive, the people who took the bodies out of the houses, you know, plagues, things like that. So they're tortured souls that are now forced to hunt and kill, even though they were healers and they know they were healers. And, and that's that's like literally what they call the Herodin curse, right? Yeah, it's a Herodin curse. It is the mm. probably the most vicious thing that Gash has inflicted on any of the souls he tortures. That is just evil. Yes, <laughs> that is that is just evil. Now, which were now which were the unit where they were? Um, they, they were they were the women that in life were obsessed with uh, with like greed. Meyer Moore were, Banshees. Okay, they, yeah. they, 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 they were the ones who were like the wizards or the sorceresses. They're, or the, they they're, were. they're the enchantresses, the sorceresses, the witches, the ones in life that would you know brew their spells and devoted themselves to finding the knowledge and things of that matter, and didn't have much of the respect needed for that knowledge. So if they were studying like death magic and things of that matter, they weren't paying homage to the gash. So when they died, he said, well. Since yeah. that was the way you wanted to do it, you're going to hunt magic for the rest of your life, and it's the only thing yeah. that can 
I remember the when I was first reading these uh, about this particular unit, um, it reminded me a lot of the Saigor in Beast of Chaos, how they're drawn to other mages and things like that. And Because uh, aren't they blind as well? Aren't they, they have they're... no senses other than detect magic. Okay. They have no sight, no hearing, no taste, no nothing except for the ability to to hone in on magic and casting abilities. Yeah, and, and you know what's funny is is um uh, you know and and of course through the through the whole month we're going to be talking about you know different different units and factions in the in the Death Grand Alliance, but this this whole Night Haunt I really think is probably the the spookiest. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we you, you know, I think I think for me, the the essence of like the poltergeist, right, is a little bit spookier than maybe the zombies or the skeletons. All all very cool stuff. Don't get me wrong. But there's something about this particular unit, uh, these units with their backstories that are just freaking spooky. I mean, and, well, and, and it's one of the big things that I that I read that kind of caught me. It was a little bit off guard was with the the the, the tomb banshees is it says that their most formidable weapon is their scream. And the victim who falls to this scream can have their blood instantly frozen in their veins or their soul torn from their body. With with the Banshee scream. Just from the scream. You know, you know it's um also too as a side note, I really like that they took a lot of the lore from like say Celtic, you know, ghost stories and Celtic lore and all that. You know, when they talk about the Banshee, you know, of course, you know, you got the you got the you know, you got the Banshee that's entombed in the Emerald Isles and all the stuff from, from Ireland. I think that that's uh, I like the fact that they threw that in there too. I, I love that kind of stuff. But I mean Chuck, what are your thoughts, man, when you when you when you when you listen to these spooky ghost stories, man, what do you think? Um so I do like the Dread Scythe Herodans. Um Part of it being as like the worst part of their their curse, they were bound with the Herodon curse, but they were made fully aware of what they were doing, but they were always unable to stop themselves. Right. So even though they were the gentle healers, they were fully aware of, of what was going on and the pain it was causing. And now through like eternity, they are bound by this curse. Oh yeah. yeah, they're they are by far my favorite night haunt unit out of the entire thing. I've got two giant grand units of fifteen models for my two thousand army. But that's but that's kind of the whole that's kind of the whole underwritten essence or theme of this whole book. Nagash has Lady Orlinder bound to the the king that doesn't talk, yep. and he's bound to her, but he can't make any decisions. Yep. And he, the whole the whole theme of the book is kind of that, you know, just absolute um, torment of the soul. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like the metaphor where a lot of these models are flying around with chains, you know, uh, that they're they're literally chained to these curses. You know, I, I like the metaphor in the models themselves. It's a, it's a, and I got to tell you, as far as armies on a table that are painted, if, if you get a, if you see a night haunt army that's well painted on the table with the spooky green and blue color and all that kind of stuff, it's breathtaking. It, it's they're a gorgeous army on the table. Or you can go crazy with them and go completely blood. These are a little dark, but yeah, there you go. Okay. Yeah, you, you you can do something like that too. And you know, and and, and Justin, I know a couple of shows ago, uh, or before you took your long vacation and, and left Chuck and I to do all the work around here. Yeah, yeah. Um, tell the tell the backstory about about how you got into the the night haunt. You know that that little your influence when we're talking about influence. Tell that one again, real quick. Well, my wife's in her, my my wife is a, a CMA. Uh, she works with medical field all the time. So this was kind of an homage army to her, and that's why the Herodians are the big backbone of my army because. When I read that story, I was thinking, she's a healer and everything else, but sometimes on the side, she can be a little crazy, but I love her for it. And <laughs> I would hate to see that heritage 
the curse fall upon her and it's just you know that's just what it is but i, I love the, the i love the backstory of the models i love the way lady olander is you know sh- she's this queen that's silent and moaning in grief because she can't have what she wants yeah but then she draws all of these other creatures from the shrieker host to her you know the banshees the harridans and all that to her and they literally just they flock to her like seagulls and go out and do her bidding and to try to bring her peace more than anything sure sure they're not they're not doing it just because their curses are telling them to they're actually trying to make her feel better and it it just it's not working because her curse it's it's a never endless cycle she will never be satisfied she is she always has this curse but the other one's helping her try and right uh, reduce it, that. It's like, it's, like feeding somebody, it's like feeding somebody who's a bit addicted to chocolate, a never-ending yeah. supply of chocolate. It's just never enough. Sure. You know, yeah. and it doesn't satiate it. So that's that's. I, I love I love the backstory on it, and with my wife being you know in the medical field, the heroine yeah. kind of just pulled into that, and I was like, you know, this is a good homage army. It's a good way for me to to kind of bring in a little bit of my my own personal backstory into what I'm building. Yeah. And you know what, folks, yep. we want to go back to about three weeks ago, four weeks ago in our in our, in our show list. Uh, we, we, we did a what inspires you to hobby or play a certain army. But, you know, speaking of uh, sticking with the, the Shrieker Host Battalion, this is an actual battalion itself in the actual sure. book. Yep, it's it for is. 140 points, I believe, or 160, 140, I think it is. I went down in points in the last uh, general handbook. Okay. Update. So so you're going to, this one is what? You reroll battle shock rolls of one for enemy units that are within six inches, almost like they're bringing back the old terror rule from 8th edition Warhammer Fantasy Battles. You know, you're, you you think you're uh, you think you made your battle shock roll, but now you got to reroll all those ones, and hopefully you don't get a six. Um, right. So I, I love even like the like the spooky esque you know idea behind this actual battalion, this this you know shrieker host battalion. Now this right. is this is for all units within six inches, right? It's uh, six inches of units uh, from uh, reroll battle shock rolls of one for enemy units that are wholly within six inches of the unit of this battalion. So it's any units in the battalion within six inches. I see. Okay. And you're required to take a Banshee, two units of Herodons, and two units of Morin, Morin uh, Garb uh, Banshees, the other Banshee. Oh, yeah. So, so pretty so, much everything that was listed on page 20 of the Nighthawk yeah. book. So, right. So basically the entire Shrieker Roach, you're required to take at least a unit or one of the hero models because of the two matches a hero, and then two of the battle line units because they do become battle line. They are battle line. So you basically are just dropping a one-drop battle line with a hero. Right. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, well good stuff, man. I mean, uh, so that that's that's our that's our first spooky uh, Halloween unit we were going to talk about here. The uh, the Shrieker host, and uh, I know that that was uh, that's a great story, Justin. I, I love that backstory about your inspiration finding. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, a little a little macabre, you know, throwing your wife in with a bunch of crazy ghost skeleton chicks, you know. But Uh-oh. hey, it's... you throw me under a bus in a day, so it's okay. <laughs> Good deal. Well, anything, any, any last things to say before we, we move on to our October? No, just, oh, well, I mean, if you ever want to have strike fear or you want to have fear coming off of a thing, one of the only actual night hot battalions that actually has a named battalion that strikes fear across the entirety of the realm. And that's called the burning screen. Okay. That's almost, that almost sounds actually, like you said it was, the, it was called the burning scream. Burning scream. It's the weirdest name I've ever heard, but it's one of the only actual named like groups that are made up of banshees and everything else. You know, the burning scream. I, I heard once you can cure that with penicillin. 
Hey. Yes, I believe so, medically speaking. That's right. what I said when I read it. <laughs> medically speaking, all right, we're going to be right back with some more October stuff, man. We got Savage Orcs coming up. Here we go. Woo! Hey, gang. I wanted to take a break in today's show to introduce one of our sponsors and a great store for all of your hobby needs. That's GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Open seven days a week, 12 to 12. GameStorm Gaming has got you covered for all of your hobby and gaming needs. They got Magic the Gathering, War Machine, X-Wing, Game of Thrones, Force of Will card game, PC gaming and repair, Warhammer 40K, and Age of Sigmar, and a ton more. Grab paints, brushes, cases, dice, and a lot more at GameStorm Gaming in Lamont, Illinois. Stop in and see John and the gang there at GameStorm Gaming, located at 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, or check them out on their website at GameStormGaming.com. Again, that's www.GameStormGaming.com. They also stay open past midnight for special cases and events. So get over there and get your nerd on with GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois, 630-243-9330. Again, that's GameStorm Gaming, 1243 State Street, Lamont, Illinois. GameStorm Gaming is a proud sponsor of Grimdark Live. We hope to see you there. All right. Well, happy Orktober. Here we are, man. And we're going to be... Uh, Orcs, yeah, wow. So we're, we, uh, we, got, we got Orktober here. We're going to be talking about uh, the first of many... Oryx, orcs. What do you, what, what do we still call them? Do you, have you guys have you guys conformed to the new legal beagle phrase? And are we now calling them oryx? It's orcs and goblins, right? It, it's it greenskins. It's greenskins, right? <laughs> so is it is it is it orktober or oryctober? Oroctober. Oroctober. Yeah. Or Oroctober. I don't know. I I think for right now, let's just stick with Happy Orktober. What do you think? That yeah. works. All right. I mean, you know, the and, old ORC. That's it. That's it. So we've got uh, we got Savage Orcs, man. And you know what's funny? When, when you look at Savage Orcs, I mean, it, it's hard to imagine in an Oric or an Orc, whatever whatever we're calling them these days, you know, being more wild and crazy than your typical, you know, you know, Oric, green skin, iron jaw. But but here in Grimdark Live uh, for Orktober, we're going to be talking about uh, these very crazy Savage Orcs. And, you know, these guys, basically, pretty much what the cusp of the story is, uh, they're part of a green skin or, you know, a, a uh, you know, a savage, you know, a, uh, iron jaw type of an army. And they just kind of wander off. They just kind of wander off and they kind of become more crazy and more nude. Apparently they, they take all their armor and clothes off and they literally become, uh, uh, savage orcs crazier than, than your, than your normal orc. And, you know, it's funny when, when the, the, Oric War Clan Battle Tome first dropped, and the first thing everyone talked about were the two armies that were that were in the the, the Battle Tome, Bone Splitters and the Iron Jaws, and yeah. um, you know they're they're longtime armies. You know, obviously you know, in Age of Sigmar, the Bone Splitters are Savage Orcs from from Warhammer Fantasy Battles, going back to that, uh, and and these guys, you know, outside of what the Iron Jaws do, they use your typical stone tools and 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 bows and all that kind of stuff. So. Gentlemen, Chuck, I'll throw it to you this time, man. I mean, what, what do we know and what do we love about the Savage Orcs? Um, personally, from my standpoint, back in uh, 7th and 8th edition, when they brought in the big Stabba. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it's where there's a team of two orcs that carry a massive Gork Tooth Spear. 
into battle. These are ideal larger monsters, get additional benefits uh, against them. Uh, currently, it's a has a two-inch reach. You get two attacks on a four-up and a three-up, and it's negative one with three damage. Uh, right. Before, back in the day, it used to be even deadlier. Um, and it, it's just one of those iconic things that I, I feel that uh, you would see a massive horde of stabbers coming at you, and you want to get rid of them before they even come into base contact because it's going to go through the heart of the monster and just slay and kill whatever it stabs. Yeah. Yeah, or you're right. just bringing a toothpick to a mega gargant. Well, you know what though? I mean, you got to remember though, that's going to be an entire horde, of, and that's how these guys fight. Yeah, you know, and and you know what I love about these guys? You want to speak about? Okay, you speak about your mega gargants, aka your behemoths, your monsters. Quote me if I'm wrong on this, you know, or help me out if I'm wrong on this, guys. Uh, you know, um, but but the bone splitters don't they believe that the energy of their deity, you know, this Gorkamorka, is trapped in the wild beasts or the monsters of you know that are running around all through the realms, and their belief structure is such that that I guess the savage tribes of the bone splitters are intent or they must, you know, please Gorkamorka by gaining you know this this god's energy. So the bigger the monster, the the nastier, the more that they think, oh, I've got to I've got to spill its blood because I'm releasing Gorkamorka all the more or something like that. Am I? Which is funny, which is funny to see the the mega with that happen with that kind of mentality that the mega gargants are on the destruction side of the army. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, right. you know, but, but essentially, right. The, the bigger, the monster, the more power that's infused with it. And, and that's kind of how the, the, the tribes and the bone splitters are going to hunt, you know, the biggest beasts in the realms. So, you know, girl, yep. okay. yeah. All right. I mean, you know, the, you know, the nasty thing about it or not the nasty thing about this army is they were real popular at one time. I've always said of the, of the savage orcs, they were like almost like a flash in the pan, kind of a, kind of an army, you know, everybody played them, uh, especially in the, uh, the battalion, the, um, uh, I can't think of it right now. I'm drawing a blank. The um, the 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 Cun and Ruck, right? Cun and Ruck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they the they were, were, uh, in the command phase and then in the shooting phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get two different types of attacks. Yep. Yeah. So I, I know that um, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're and they were really big into their into their you know, their prophets or their their wizards or their shamans or whoever. I know that those were the the leaders of their mm -hmm. army and. You know, um, so the army had a really cool backstory, and, and but I think a lot of a lot of gamers took to them. Uh, but I think when some of the FAQ limitations and things came out, I, you kind of saw the army kind of sporadically just kind of just kind of go away. Um, so at least that's what I've seen. I mean, have you guys really seen a lot of Savage Orc armies on the table? Um, my Night Hunt fought one four weeks ago, five weeks ago. Okay, Mr. Joe, his his, his Drakfoot, which basically gates all ward saves and yeah and i forgot about all that stuff. yeah so yeah. literally got stomped into the dirt because of it okay so, so i forgot about Drakfoot. i mean up until that point i thought the most popular yeah. way or the most popular build for the army was going to be cun and ruck you know uh in that in that battalion which is uh if my memory serves me right because i faced it a hundred times it's a it's a savage big boss it's it's uh, i think two or more uh, savage orcs uh, or uh, savage orc arrow boys, which you always saw the arrow boys in there because they got all that crazy shooting. And and, yeah. and really, in my opinion, for savage orcs, I think Cunning Ruck was probably the best. I mean, it's it's a nice one to have. I mean, if they isn't it Chuck, if they stay twelve inches from the boss or within twelve inches of the boss, they get to move or shoot in the hero phase or something like that. I, I believe it is that, and so that's why you would burn the command points with him in order to get the additional shots or attacks. Yeah. Okay. 
All right, and, and but like I said, I, I I'm not I'm, I'm not real clear. I, I know that they they kind of got a little bit of uh of of you know cobbled there with some of the FAQs and some of the things that happened, um, but uh, I know that you don't see many of the armies like you used to. You don't see especially the Cun and Ruck. You know you know um, you don't see them a lot. But no, uh, I think there, there's a good point in the chat is that a lot of these Savage Orc builds have gravitated towards Big Wog, especially since the newer mm -hmm. book came out in the last fiscal year right um so you know seeing savage orc boar boys and savage orcs benefit from you know the plus one to hit plus one to to move or being pumped up by a war channel is is really nice and savage orcs with their higher movement ability right uh, are very attractive as well yeah yeah and you know you know do you guys see a lot of boar boys the savage orc boar boys on the table on and off, I do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I've, yeah. I don't think I've ever seen recently. I don't think I've ever seen a unit of more than five of them, and they're usually like a flanking unit to kind of you know herd you into kind of almost like a Bolshevik blister for the Arrow Boys to shoot the hell out of you. But um, that's oh, all I've really seen. For, armed, for armed Forces Day, well, I got paired against an army that had uh, two units of twenty of them. So, wow. yeah. So really, I've seen I've seen. 10 plus model units of boars like the Ma the maniacs and the other their normal ones you usually see them in bigger units because the maniacs come across doing like three damage a piece and you know but when they're running 10 to 15 of them all of a sudden you're jumping 45 plus wounds out and you're across the board turn one right yeah so yeah you usually when you see those boar boys they're in large numbers because they hit you turn one uh yeah well, yeah but, but again i've always i've never well you know i gotta go back and look at those lists from armed forces day i forgot i didn't you know i'm, I'm not recalling that army yeah. i mean i no, i know that so, I, I believe you but i think that uh i've only ever seen the boar boys in units of five and they usually are there to kind of block another unit uh or corral uh an enemy unit something like that to get you more into better firing range for the for the arrow boys mm. um well, yeah. So that I mean, that's that's our savage. What what else we got on the savage orcs, man? I mean, there's got to be more. I mean, we got we got. Well, uh, you know, one thing that I used to like, which was more powerful back in previous editions, was their war paint. Um, yeah. It used to be increased by having a savage orc shaman within so many inches, but I believe the uh, war dock has a dance he can do called the glyph dock dance. So you pick one friendly unit of bone splitters that are wholly within twelve inches. And roll a dice on a three plus. You add one to the save roll for attacks that target that unit until the next phase. Now, that's that's good. I just wish it was with the ward save, so that we would have a five up ignore any wound or mortal wound. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and you know, Sean in the chat's brought up a good one. The uh, the 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 Brudak Ruck Savage Boys. Is, is that is that how it's really pronounced? How is that pronounced? I got to grab my book. What's that one? Justin uh, Brutat. It's Brutat Root. Brut. Okay. Okay. Brutat Root. Okay. Yeah. So what's what's special? I mean, I, that one I'm not I'm not really familiar with. I don't think I've ever played against or even even noted that one. What's uh? We'll have to look that one up and get back to everyone later. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, when we start getting into specific builds that people have you know designed or found you know common 
strategies and synergies with, we may not be familiar with all those. So we can't no. be held accountable for the 23 factions and 147 yeah. sub goals that you can do from that. Yeah, that's right, Chuck. Sean, quit causing all this the trouble point, on our the show. One point, the 1.7 1. 7, 7 million builds that you can do by putting yeah. one single model into <laughs> a different right. formation that's around right. a different model's asshole. We're, yeah, there you go. We're, we're, we're kidding with you, Sean. Not really. <laughs> yeah, quit causing all it. this trouble. All right. Well, guys, happy October. Happy October. All right. Well, we yeah. are going to be uh, we're going to be right back with the question of the day, folks. So uh, stay tuned. Hey, gang! I really hope you're enjoying the Grimdark Live show so far. Thanks for being with us. But before we get to the question of the day, I want to ask you to head over to GrimdarkLive.com to enter the Nerd Bunker by becoming a supporter of the show on Patreon. There are six different levels to fit the support you may be interested in and all provide special benefits and services to our members. So please head over to GrimdarkLive.com and become a patron of the show. And while you're on GrimdarkLive.com, you should know that Grimdark Live isn't just there for entertainment. We're a full-time miniatures assembly and painting service. We have three different levels that we currently paint to and we provide free quotes. So let us know if you have something you need painted and we'll get it done for you. And if Patreon or painting isn't something you're ready to do at this time, we totally understand. And thank you for spending time with us here on Grimdark Live. So with that said, let's get to the question of the day. All right, we are uh, we are back and we're ready for the question of the day here on Grimdark Live. Now, earlier in the show, at the top of the show, we actually gave you guys uh, the question of the day. So, so here it is. So we are going to uh, we're going to throw this question out there, and we are going to see uh, what kind of answers we get back. So, so fellas, I'm going to throw this out to you first. And and Justin, since you're the one that's all well rested, since Chuck and I have been kind of you know carrying the load here, since you've been you know relaxing in your your new nerd bunker in your mansion out there, you know we're going to throw this one at you first here, bud. You're right, right, Chuck. Right. Should we do that? Make him work a little bit. Yeah, I mean that just sounds fair. My back is still hurting, and I got to go see the ortho doc. I mean, all the you know, uh, okay. You know. okay. All right, so here it is. Question of the day. So, so Justin, does the coming does the coming of the Mega Gargant Unit Strength Herald big changes in Age of Sigmar 3.0? It will make a difference if the monster keyword also picks up the ability. I'm talking across the board for every army. If the monster keyword being tagged to an army gives it 10 capture, 20 capture, like the Mega Gargants are getting. Okay. So if you have a Hydra and it gets it counts as 10 models, then yes, it'll make a big change in 3.0. Okay. If they don't pick any of that up, then it's going to be a shot in the pan for the Gargants, and you're not going to see much of a change out of it. Okay. But but you think that it's going to herald in some big changes for 3.0 AOS? Probably. You're probably going to see that, and you probably will start to see monsters making a rise. Big monsters, not just tiny little baby ones. You know, we might actually start seeing some god beast popping up. I'd love that. I'd love that. That would be... That would actually be really cool. I would, I would love to see something like God that. Forbid, God forbid we don't have dragons. And I'm, I know we have Stormcast, but God forbid we don't have dragons flying yeah. around here at some yeah. point. That's a whole other topic, man. I want to see uh, I want to see high elves with dragons again. But anyway, let me, Chuck, here's the same question to you, man. Question of the day. Does the coming of the Mega Gargant unit strength herald big changes in Age of Sigmar 3.0? 
3.0? I don't think we're going to necessarily see big changes right away because I think players are going to have counters for monsters immediately. We, mm -hmm. We're going to see the larger horde units of 30 models or more, or even screens uh, in order to block those large models. But I, I would reserve and keep one foot in the hole by saying, uh, depending on how they dictate uh, the model strength and uh, or counts as the number of wounds, um, it, it might bring in uh, the potential for adding one to two large monsters per army. Okay. And I don't think that's uncalled for. I think we should be looking at having one to two monsters uh, per army. Right now, we don't really see any Star Drakes in Stormcast. Uh, for no. the uh, quite a while, we saw you know most of our paladins and uh, long shot crossbows um, that dominate the battlefield. And, you know, Daughters of Cain, we just see large units of witch elves, essentially. Um, and, and I think that the game gravitates from one extreme to another. And this may be that beginning of the extreme for monsters. The, but the I'm pendulum just, swing back? Yeah, it, it could swing back after 3rd edition is released next year. Maybe we'll have an mm. FAQ and for nine months, the monsters are playable. Then they sort of rein it in a little bit. Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. I, I like the way you put that. I mean, me, I, I, I think we're definitely headed back to the days of uh, Warhammer fantasy battles, fifth edition, sixth edition, where you had unit strengths. Uh, yeah. I think we're going to see that come back, uh, but something to kind of, to kind of, you know, um, pick up on something referencing kind of a testing ground comment that Chuck made, you know, when Chuck referenced that, that, that the, he thinks that a lot of what Sons of Behemoth are kind of like a, a tryout phase or see if things is going to work. I think that's what we're doing here. I think they started to do that with uh, with the Ogres. I think once they saw that the Maw Tribes, uh, that, that a lot of the players took to that concept of, you know, unit strength on an objective, you know, objective secured type of thing. I think that uh, that, that, that was very telling to the game designers and developers at GW. So, uh, and personally, I'll be honest with you, um, when unit strength went away in Warhammer Fantasy Battles 7th edition, I heard a lot of gamers complaining about that. They didn't like it. Uh, yeah. They kind of forgot about it in 8th edition. Uh, they really forgot about it at end times. And we don't. And, and, and it's like a new thing all of a sudden again once Age of Sigmar rolls around. So, yeah, I, I definitely uh, think that we're going to see unit strength and all that good stuff come back, in, at least in some form. They might, have caught, they might not call it unit strength, but I think we're going to see something like that uh, definitely come back. So, folks, anyone else on the chats, what do you guys think? I mean, does the coming of the, uh, the Mega Gargan unit strength herald big changes in Age of Sigmar 3.0? Let us know, man. Let us know what, uh, what you guys think. But good stuff, man. We've had a... We've had a full show today, man. I mean, Chuck, yeah. I think you and I need another week off, and Justin needs to do the next one all by himself so we can rest some more. <laughs> someone, will have to turn on the, someone will have to turn on the light switches. Oh, man. Wait, wait a minute. There's something wrong here. What is happening? Get ready, Grimdark Goons, to time travel back in time to a Grimdark Live show segment from the past. The, the past? A segment from a show back in time. Get ready, Grimdarkoons. Here we go.
Hello, and welcome to Monster Monday, brought to you by Grimdark Live. This is a series where we talk about different monsters in the Warhammer worlds, their lore, history, and what it would be like to fight them in the game. These videos are based on your suggestions that you leave in the comment section down below. So if you'd like to have me cover and talk about a monster in the Warhammer worlds, just let me know in the comments of this video. Now, let us begin. It is now time for Monster Monday. Today's monster is Lady Olinder. As October is the traditional holiday month for Halloween, Monster Monday shall be covering the more traditional monsters to celebrate the holiday of Halloween. And you will notice that this video takes a slight departure from the monsters or behemoth keyword for this review. But in the case of Lady Orlinder and Halloween, it is both fitting and allowable. Just this once. She is the Morning Bride, the Unrequited Queen, the Veiled Lady, and the Mortark of Grief. She is despair made manifest, gloom given form. She is Lady Orlinder, and in her are bound all the sorrows and anguishes of the realms. Lady Orlinder, who feigned sorrow in life, now in death, she forever feels all the woes of the mortal realms, becoming a weaponization of grief itself. Her power transcends the melodic, for she exudes mind-crippling waves of purest desolation. Mortals in her presence are overwhelmed by gloom so heavy that only the strongest willed can remain upright. Most fall to their knees, mentally battered by their own utter hopelessness. It is a sorrow and regret potent enough to cause a mother to forsake her child, a warrior to lay down his sword and accept the inevitable, or to even stop a beating heart. Lady Orlinder hovers above the ground, attended by her bridesmaids, a pair of banshee handmaidens. As she advances, the thorny vines of grave roses suddenly sprout before her, their flowers rapidly blooming and dying in order to lay a path of fallen petals beneath her floating form. In her hands, the Veiled Lady wields the Staff of Midnight, an ornate stave topped with a polished gemstone of vetrified gravesand. The lightest touch of the staff is enough to wither a mighty oak or kill a grown man outright. Yet, it is not Lady Orlinder's deadliest weapon. In addition to being surrounded by an aura of absolute misery, Lady Orlinder is also a powerful sorceress. With her incantations, she can direct a pall of despair to weigh upon her foes, slowing them like some unholy lodestone. Those affected suffer a mental burden so dire it causes even the bravest to tremble. Their martial prowess lessened by leaden limbs and despondency beyond any hope of redemption. In the midst 
of this bleak atmosphere she has created. Olinda presses forward, her banshee bridesmaids shrieking a wail of damned wile, slashing with their spectral talons at foes who draw close. One bridesmaid bears an ensorcelled grave sand hourglass, a gift from Nagash that can be smashed asunder with lethal effect. Yet Lady Orlinder has another, even deadlier weapon. From behind her thin shroud, the sunken eyes of the Mortark of Grief fixate upon a foe. Deliberately she pivots to face them, before slowly and solemnly lifting her veil. What horrors they see are unknown, for none have yet lived to tell the tale. So does Lady Orlinder conquer, leading the force of Nagash's invasion in order to bring a new age of eternal death over the mortal realms. In life, she had been Lady Orlinder, a beauty famed throughout the empire of Delorum, the largest of the civilizations from the lands known since the age of chaos as a screaming wastes. She had schemed, plotted, and used charm to climb socially, leaving behind a trail of ruined suitors and deaths under mysterious circumstances. So great was her appeal that she wound her way upwards, winning the hearts of nobles and then eventually the Delorum Prince himself. Her betrothal to the future king ended the very night when the prince and his father, the High King, disappeared. In their absence, she became ruler of Delorum. Vowing to mourn her missing prince and king, the young queen took to wearing a veil. Her people called her the Mourning Bride, or the Unrequited Queen, and her public display of grief won over even the coldest of hearts. Yet it was all a lie. Her shows of remorse were false. Her sorrows no more than a ruse hidden behind her veil and deceitful sobs. She could not help but smile at her own cleverness. Elsewhere in the realms, the travails of the Age of Chaos had begun turning the civilization into ruin, although Delorum had thus far been spared. That came to an end when the plague arrived. Soon the Queen's sorrows were for her realm, but again, all her tears were false. She was safe in her palace, and her life a dream, even as all those around her died in the agonized throes of the weeping pox. Through it all, Nagash had watched the empire of Delorum, for its people had always honored him. Their dedications had ended in the crowning of a new queen, even when their lands, cities, and throne room were all but empty of life, Lady Orlinder felt no real grief, and she attempted to parley with the agents of Nurgle. It was then that Nagash claimed her soul as his own. So did Orlindor become the Veiled Lady, a specter burdened to feel all the miseries of the mortal realm and forced to haunt the ruins of Delorum. After the passing of many centuries, during which Nagash gave not a single thought to her fate. The god was surprised at what he found when he discovered her once more. The Veiled Lady had again risen to rule over Delorum, 
although it had become a land swarming with wraiths and specters. During the upheavals of the Necroquake, Orlinder had subjugated the phantasmal denizens that arose there, drawing them closer with her, spreading aura of grief. So haunted were the lands that any living being that dared enter them experienced true terror. Yet rule of one underworld could not satisfy her ambition. The Veiled Lady longed to bring more nations, living and dead alike, beneath her dominion. Here at last was the leader that Nagash was looking for, and so, in dark ritual, the great necromancer granted Lady Orlinder a sliver of his own divinity. He knighted her the Mortark of Grief, and tasked his new lieutenant first with uniting the night haunts, and then leading them as the vanguard of his new crusade. Apart from the tabletop, in a real-life tale of a weeping bride, let me briefly tell you the tale of the haunting story of Julia Bucola Petta. In Hillside, Illinois, just outside Chicago, is Mount Carmel Cemetery. In addition to being the final resting place of Al Capone, Deanna Banyan, and other notorious mobsters of the Chicagoland era, the cemetery is also the burial place of a woman named Julia Bucola Petta. While her name may not spring to mind as part of Chicago history, for those intrigued by the supernatural, she is better known as the Italian Bride, or the more fitting name of La Sposa Piangente, the Weeping Bride. Julia's grave is marked today by a life-size statue of the unfortunate woman in her wedding dress, a stone reproduction of the wedding photo that is mounted to the front of her monument. While a beautiful monument, there is nothing about it to suggest that anything weird had ever occurred in connection to it. However, once you know the story behind the site, it's soon realized that it is one of the weirdest tales in Chicago's annals of the unknown. Julia was married in June of 1920. The weeping bride, Julia, became pregnant soon after the wedding, but complications occurred, and on March 17, 1921, Julia died while giving birth to her son. Because of the Italian tradition that dying in childbirth made the woman a type of martyr, Julia was buried in white, the martyr's color. Her wedding dress also served as her burial gown, and with her dead infant tucked into her arms, the two were laid to rest in a single coffin at Mount Carmel Cemetery. Julia's mother was inconsolable over her daughter's death. Shortly after Julia was buried, her mother began to experience strange and terrifying dreams every night. In these nightmares, she envisioned Julia, weeping in her white wedding dress, telling her that she was still alive and needed help. For the next six years, the dreams plagued the woman, and she began trying, without success, to have her daughter's grave opened and her body exhumed. She was unable to explain why she needed to do this. She only knew that she should. Finally, through sheer persistence, 
Her request was granted, and a sympathetic judge passed down an order for Julia's exhumation. Six years after Julia's death, the casket was removed from the grave. When it was opened, Julia's body was found not to have been decayed at all. In fact, it was said that her flesh was still as soft as it had been when she was alive. Even after six years, the rotted and decayed appearance of the coffin in the photo, however, bears witness to the fact that it had been underground for some time. Julia appears to be merely sleeping. And that's not the end of this odd story. Reports have been told over the years of a ghostly woman in white who has been seen wandering the edge of the cemetery where she rests. Stories claim to have seen her in the daytime and at night, and many who know the story of Julia Petta believe that this is her restless spirit. The binding part of all these stories and of all these sightings is that the witnesses can hear a faint weeping and sobbing sound of a woman when the apparition appears. One eerie tale was told involved a young boy who was accidentally left behind at the cemetery, not far from Julia's grave. When the boy's parents returned to Mount Carmel to look for him, they saw him holding the hand of a dark-haired young lady in a white dress. When the boy ran towards his parents, the woman in the white dress disappeared. The boy was repeating the phrase, La Sposa Piangente, the weeping bride. The boy nor his parents spoke or knew the Italian language, yet he would repeatedly utter the phrase, La Sposa Piangente, La Sposa Piangente, La Sposa Piangente, the weeping bride. I tell you what, well, Justin, you know, you, you can kind of redeem yourself here. How about some closing thoughts, huh? All right, I got you. All right, guys, this is the end of our show. It was good to see you all. I'm glad to be back. Uh, I kind of have a little bit of a challenge for everybody out there in our viewership. I would like to see you guys post in the comments below here on YouTube or in the social media channels what you guys are enjoying about our show, what you like about our show, and what kind of things you would like to see more of. We've had a little bit of a talk with our patrons, and this goes for our patrons as well. And you guys are our driving force. You guys are the ones that makes us come and do this show every Thursday and makes us have some fun and laughs with you guys. But we'd like to know, hear from you guys a little bit more too. So please use the comments below. Please use the social media platforms and hit us up. Let us know what you guys are thinking. And we'll go from there. But until next time, Everybody keep rolling those dice and enjoying your games. This is from this is from Grimdark to us. Have a good night. 
Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, and you know what? And, and please do that because you know we we uh, we do, man. We we do this show for you guys, um, and the glory of nobblers. Those are the. Those are the. Those are the. Hey, uh, you know what? I, I know if, if Dustin, the t-shirt guy, if you're out there listening, we got to get that's going on a t-shirt too, man. The glory of nobblers, you know. But uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, that that's why we do it because you know. I, and honestly, you know, we might not be the biggest show out there. Uh, hell, we might not even be the best. But we have the best listeners. Um, you guys are, are awesome. What you guys contribute and bring to the show every single week, your comments, uh, even your off comments after the show, if you've watched the show a couple of days later or something like that. Uh, honestly, uh, that's why that's why we uh, we sit down in our chairs and get in front of these goofy little cameras and um, do what we do because of you guys. So, Justin, great. I'm going to echo that, man. Good stuff. Well, that's a wrap, man. That's a show. And, and uh, folks, uh, just like uh, just like we always say at the end of every show, please don't forget to hit the like button or subscribe button uh, or and follow our podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you don't, guys, I, we talk about this every single show. At the end of every single show, we give you guys the same thing. And I'm trying to warn you folks here. Chuck, look at how worried he is. He's worried about you people because, you know, you guys aren't listening to this stuff. Look, and Justin, you know, he just got back from vacation. He had to take a little rest off because of, you know, all the worry and anguish. But I'm telling you guys, if you don't hit the like and subscribe button, if you don't follow our podcast, here's what's going to happen. Chuck and I, we're going to have Justin come over to your house. And he's going to use his bathroom. And he's going to show you guys his new gargan called the Crapper Smasher. He's going to do that. <laughs> He can definitely do that. I'm telling you, you know, it, he he's done it before. He's done it before. He's caused he's called 37 plumbers in the in, the, in just the, just the surrounding area to quit when he's introduced the crapper smasher. Justin, you do you, you need to tell him about the crapper smasher, Gargan? No, <laughs> that's a surprise for another show. All right, all right, but I, I think I think we're going to definitely talk about you know two things next show: the Gloria Nobblers and the Crapper Smasher. That's I think we got a winner right there, guys. What do you think? I, I think we got a winner. <laughs> All right. Well, you know what, uh, folks? That's it, man. Thank you so much for being with us tonight on Grimdark Live. We're going to be back next week at 730. So until then, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a freaking short pants. Bye. Night, everybody. Dark Live, I'd like to thank you for slumming it through another show with us for all things dice, dragons, demons, and a dwarf in the Age of Sigmar worlds. We'll be back live next Thursday, so until then, remember, roll them dice fun and fair, and don't be a frickin' short pants. And if you missed the live show, you can catch us again right here on the next Grimdark Live podcast. Never fear, gang. There'll be more great content from Grimdark Live throughout the week with Monster Mondays, Table War Tuesdays, Warhammer Wednesdays, Grimdark Grudge Matches, and a ton more. So stay tuned and stay grim, all you dice-chuck-and-glue-sniffing gamer goons. You're all awesome. Looks like I picked the wrong week to stop sniffing glue. Remember, embrace the main message here from Grimdark Live, and that's a social contract we have between gamers and the commitment we have to each other and this community. We're only as good as our last game. Check us out at GrimdarkLive.com. Don't forget to give our channel a like or subscribe if you haven't already done so. So long, Grimdark Goons. Until next time, may the dice gods bless you and your sweaty palms. Bye. Short pants.